Jeff, I was just telling them before you came on. Someone messaged us on the the Instagram account. Mm-hmm. A horror punk band. Let oh me, no! Let me read. <laughs> Great response. Um, it's, I, w- I want to do an all Psycho Billy episode, but that's got to wait till next year or for Christmas. <laughs> oh man, I just today, you know, because there's all that nonsense going on with like the we when we were young festival. Uh, yes, where it's yeah. like got canceled or something. I didn't hear and about that. I think my sister wanted to go to that. Were the Misfits gonna play? No, no. But, I'm but I was gonna say you mentioned Psycho Billy, and it reminded me of the existence of the band The Horror Pops. That's the worst one. That's the worst <laughs> yeah. one by far. Oh my god, I like Tiger Army low key, but that's but they've got even, tracks. They've got tracks. They have tracks. Absolutely. Even with that band, though, I'm like the stand up bass is still stupid. Like there's no context <laughs> yeah. where you need a punk band that has one of those. There's never any that's, reason to do the that. The Cramps didn't even have one, did they? No, no, of course not. They weren't going to do yeah, that. They're good. Because <laughs> they're good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody. Um. Uh, I I made like a playlist on Spotify of like good horror themed punk songs and somebody like i guess follows the uh tag for uh horror punk and they're like you didn't include the cheneys and i guess that's some horror punk band i looked up and it's terrible yeah, some fan you are man it's like no i did not forget your band jesus christ tim uh tim doesn't know what i don't think you were aware of uh when we were young festival no i don't know what i forget which one that is so uh just this past weekend it was it's a really funny situation. It was a bunch of like pop punk kind of 2000s alt emo bands. It was like all of them, though. It was like yes. Millennial Nostalgia Fest. I saw it. I thought it had to be a scam or be I'm fake frowning. or something. Yeah. And pretty much what happened, it got canceled. Uh, it was going to be in Las Vegas because of high winds, if you can believe it. Uh, you actually can't believe that. Um, and, but it's funny because I think, oh, the one guy from Alkaline Trio was taught, he had an interview, um, was it Matt Skiba? Was he in Alkaline Trio? Yeah. Yeah. He's the, okay. like the guitarist. He was talking about how a bunch of them, like, did not know they were playing. And I when assumed it was something happened, like that. Cause dude, the flyer, it's like. It was like every band. AFI's on it, fucking Simple Plan, like you name it. This Avril is Avril Lavigne, Bright Eyes. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a perfect example of like almost like chaos magic in like someone these promoters like put this together and somehow a bunch of that I think some people did cancel but like and said or said no, but a bunch of them like they talked to each other and they're like, oh, "Okay, we're doing it." And it fucking worked i guess wait bright eyes that guy's dead is that i mean that should have been a red flag is he yeah he like killed himself i maybe you're thinking of something else but that would i'm gonna roll with that bright eyes was on the flyer because i love the idea of them putting a guy who's dead on it um yeah he's playing little peeps going on before uh bright eyes is but yeah i don't think he's dead i think you're thinking of the silver jews no, dude. I I'm gonna I'll look it up. Yeah, he, you look he, it up. He fucking killed himself. But, big deal. So it got canceled, and I think that was kind of maybe the plan to begin with. <laughs> is that like, let's make this thing that we haven't got permission to necessarily make, but it's going to be so it's going to have such a big social media like 
impact that they're all going to agree to do it next year. And I, I think they are. Um, I don't know. It's kind of fucked. Uh, so it's like Fire Festival for a different demographic. And yeah. yes, you're right. I'm thinking of a different guy who killed himself. Who doesn't matter for right now. But there yeah. was an, there was another like sad singer songwriter from that era who did who that oh, did man. happen with. I know who you're talking about. But, yeah, True and I did an episode about it. I'll think of it later. But this is the Kings of Punk podcast. You are listening to uh, our listeners. Um, I am one of your hosts, Tyler Hammer. We got Jake Razor and Tim, a.k.a. Gary U.S. Bombs. Oi, oi. Hi. Uh, once again, not, no Cognac O'Brien, no Hennessy Williams this week. But we do have a special guest um, with us, our friend Michael Kent, who you may remem- remember from an episode we did, I think, about a year or so ago. Is yeah, this the- I, think it, I think it was right around then. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, returning guests. We haven't had that many of those yet. I guess no. we haven't we haven't been doing this for very long. But uh, yeah, we, you were a great guest last time, so it seemed like a no brainer, especially given uh, you have some expertise in, that is relevant to uh, the season we're in at the moment, namely spooky season. Yep, yep. I I, uh, I did a horror podcast for like uh, Jesus Christ, like three years, uh, called Toxic Schlock, where I just like kind of interviewed people talking about horror movies. You know, kind of really original idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then we also did bonus episodes called Misfits Mondays where we – once a month, me and a buddy, we would watch a random movie that the mis- original Misfits referenced. Um, so it was everything from, like, the teenagers from Mars to – Yeah. To all, all sorts of stuff. So I, Well, yeah, because I, I – s- Oh, no, I was going to say, I, I know a certain era of, of Glenn Danzig's career way too well. <laughs> Oh yeah, because I was gonna say, it, wasn't it more more songs than not of theirs, or at least fifty percent of them are directly like referencing horror movies? Not that their catalog is that extensive. I mean, I think Earth AD maybe that's not the case, but the early stuff it's like maybe fifty percent. The number's a little high, but it's not far you know, off. You got the Zapruder film and uh, the song Bullet. <laughs> you have yeah. uh, Devil Lock. I don't think that's based on a song. We should start that's a horror movie. That's a hair song. Yeah, the song Earth AD is a uh, references um, the hills have eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's cool about that era, what we kind of learned is a lot of the times they were just kind of taking random phrases and imagery and kind of doing their own thing with it. Yeah. Which is like a the big difference between that and then, well, there's many differences, but like the Michael Graves stuff, it's literally them just like talking through the plot of movies really poorly. Yes, it's hilarious. Whereas, yeah, whereas like with the dancing stuff, it's like vaguely referencing uh, like an old Christopher Lee movie. Yeah, which is something I like in art. It's like I think pastiche would be the word for it, where it's like bits and pieces of other things put together to almost be like a caricature, but also be creative. Mm-hmm. I just had a great idea. Someone needs, like, why isn't there a New York hardcore band that does that with gangster movies? Like everything is about like Goodfellas, or you have a song like called King of New York Casino. <laughs> uh, you got uh, Donnie Brasco. You go old school and do White Heat, like that James Cagney movie. Main streets. Yeah. All right, that's, that's our next idea. project, man. Yeah, we could wear suits. I think it's uh, <laughs> comparing uh, you know, the Miss Misfits eras. I think is is interesting, um, because really at the end of the day, um. The best thing about the Misfits was who we're really going to be focusing this episode on today. The one and only Glenn Danzig, a.k.a. Glenn Anzalone. Glenn Anzalone, frequent topic for the show. 
recorded a special uh, on the road podcast when the three of us and my girlfriend Darby went to go see him in Cincinnati. Uh, we discussed him on some of the Pusshead episodes because there was a Misfits uh, Walk Among Us was on the Pusshead Top 100. Uh, that was an exciting moment when we revealed his real name and Cougar said, what's his name? And then we told him, and he said, wait, what's his name? He couldn't yeah. process how Italian it was, I suppose. Um, which is not, uh, kind of surprising. I mean, he looks exactly like John Travolta, or at least he did at one point in time. So, of course, his name is something yeah. along the lines of Travolta or Spaghetti or whatever. Yeah, sure. Is he Italian? Yeah, he's got it. Or is he like Glenn Danzig? I think like Danzig, I, I could be talking out my ass, but I think the actual Danzig is like a town in Italy that like he decided sounded cool. But no, definitely, we, I mean like a name like Anzalone is pretty hard to uh Anz- stick with. Anzalone is definitely Italian. He's Italian. We actually, I had this fact though from Ford. Danzig is a town in Poland. Yes. Or a region, okay. really, a, it's a region of Poland and it's notable because it was uh, Hitler's first incursion or annexation of Polish territory was predicated on there was a big German minority in Danzig and he said he was, you know, liberating them or uniting his people or whatever. So that may be why Glenn picked it. I know we've all seen his book collection in the famous video and uh, he had the occult roots of Nazism. So he seems to have a bit of a fascination with that stuff, as many people who are into the occult also do. Tim. I uh, actually read a, a, an interview, a 90s interview with Glenn, where he did claim that his real last name, he changed it to Danzig. Legally. Like, Ooh. he says it was on, like, like you know, uh, forms and, you know, I- identification and stuff like that. That was probably, like, when, when people always are like, oh, when I make it big, I'm going to do this. It's new car. It's new tour bus, whatever. New man. He was like, when I'm able to get a lawyer to do the paperwork for me, because I won't do it. To legally change my name. That's when I know that I've, I've made it big in the music industry. That's interesting. He, uh, I guess if that's the case, then he has something uh, s- uh, similar to the person of uh, that we talked about last, uh, last week, uh, Mr. Kanye West, who has uh, said he says he's changed his name now to Ye. Um, there's a very funny interview with um, Chris. Uh, who's that news reporter? Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo, where he keeps going like, sir, my name is Ye, and he just keeps going, I'm sorry. Like, Chris Cuomo showing remarkable <laughs> really pa- funny. Remarkable patience from Cuomo in that interview. I get it, you know. Yeah, he really did, um, you know, because he's I'm a guy also, who's not known for patience. He uh, is, I mean, he's he's part of a persecuted people, the Italians. Um, yeah, yes, so he, yes. he should understand what, uh... But know, back why, to uh, his fellow Italian. His fellow you know, Italian. Danzig. Glenn Danzig, born Glenn Allen Anzalone, June 23rd, 1955, in Lodi, New Jersey. You know, uh, if you don't know, I mean, we're going to go over kind of the history of the man and uh, kind of take a uh, rip apart his... Uh, his psyche. His, I guess his psyche, <laughs> everything about him kind of in a way. Um, going his musical his career, progression, probably through the lens of his musical progression. His, his, uh, his influence on just punk but like culture as a whole life i was saying that jake and uh tim like he is one of those characters in punk that is i think like a puss head has influenced a lot of things and i i think it's easier to see what glenn danzig has done over the last like 40 50 years almost than uh you know maybe a band like black flag is kind of cool but like i 
don't think they had nearly as much of an impact as like anything Danzig has done. Really, I, I, would, I don't know. About I would that. say they they may have had as much of an impact, but I think what you're getting at is is the uh, the breadth. I guess you'd say of Danzig influence. Yeah. His influence extends beyond. Uh, the musical realm and into sort of aesthetics that hadn't really been brought into punk in quite that same way before. Whereas, yeah, Black Flag, I guess it makes sense because they were not, aside from the excellent Pettibone artwork, super concerned with aesthetics. They just kind of looked like a bunch of guys. So that wasn't really in there so much. And uh, But, yeah, in lyrical subject matter across the board, rather than just, you know, you see the Misfits or whatever, you want to start a punk band or you want to sound like them, I would even go as far as to say Danzig's work is maybe less influential in that realm than a band like a Black Flag or a Bad Brains and more influential in terms of aesthetics, ethos. Um, uh, gray skin. A gray, having gray skin, but still being in okay shape With when you're like 60. Still being alive. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's interesting to, with him too. I mean, even like beyond his music is like, I mean, I'm sure you guys can agree that for like i'd say from the years like 2000 to like 2015 he was kind of a punchline to a lot of people to oh like yeah an unfortunate degree he he got yeah. memed he, he got memed on yeah there's like that the dancing shopping list video there's the the there's a shakira do you guys remember that one where i like love that one line? that's that's one of my all-time favorite <laughs> like things on youtube yeah him getting uh knocked up, out yeah that was funny that too. was brutal on him that's like know? an early yeah like viral sort of like viral internet video you like. needed to you needed to update your flash player for that motherfucker to watch that <laughs> yeah. shit yeah i do i don't like how the guy who like punched him like somehow made a career out of that well, that dude's that dude's a loser <laughs> like, yeah i mean he like he, he wrote a book about how like that incident ruined his life it's like that is that's horrible really i hope funny. i hope he lost money on that book deal. I also, for what it's worth, I don't know if Glenn Danzig can fight or if he ever could. Maybe he claimed not. that he was taking. Um, in another interview I read, he said he was taking. I can't remember what it was, but it was some sort of martial art that apparently Probably. didn't come in handy. Of him like training, yeah, in the, some of those. Like, but like any, any home videos, everybody who fights regularly is going to get knocked out at some point. So it doesn't really prove anything. It, it didn't help that the other guy probably had like you know 150 pounds on. Yeah, another like ten inches another, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, actually, he was a foot tall. This, re- this reminds me. Before we maybe get into more detail, in terms of the influence of Danzig, uh, and it's extending maybe in uh, wider or into different realms than other like punk related figures. W- one example you wouldn't even think of, and I hadn't thought of it until I heard a guy say it. Uh, there was this dude who's like a fitness guy named Paul Wagner, kind of a sketchy guy, I'll leave it at that, and people can reach their own verdicts about him. But I did read an interview with him where he said he started training because he was into punk rock and metal and shit, and he was looking at pictures of Danzig in, like, the 90s and was like, I want to look like that. And I have to assume that's not the only example. I mean, for me, it was Henry Rollins when I started lifting weights. I read his essay, The Iron, and I was like, oh, I get what he means. I should do this, but I'm sure there are other folks in the scene who decided to start pumping iron because I mean, of God damn, I'm looking at a pig champion over here like that. <laughs> <laughs> that could be me one day. Yup. <laughs> Danzig does have an advantage in that department by virtue of being 5'4". You get really jacked really quick when you're short, but 
you know, anybody can do it if they're determined enough. So that's, that's again, you know, how many punk musicians can say they inspired motherfuckers to go pump iron? It's like him and probably five other guys, maybe. Harley and, uh, Harley and John, John Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. yeah. That's about it. Yeah, not much. And Danzig in turn, and this will sort of color our whole takes on it, probably it's like, well, why did he start doing that? I have a feeling it was not due to concern for his health. It is probably because he wanted to look like his Conan comic books. I mean, that's really my big takeaway on the guy is, like, he's so fully formed as a character. And that's why he did get memed on, but is also a legend, is very successful, is, like, every detail of this dude's life, from the book collection to his fucking deltoids, he kept in line with the, the image that he wanted to have and that was congruent with his artwork. And you got to... You know, I always am kind of fascinated by people like that. Dedication. And, and he really does have like a certain, I don't know, he has like a, a the, like the way, uh, how can I say it? Uh, like his self-awareness or uh, lack of it, I should say, is so incredible. <laughs> yes. That yes. he's just somehow, uh, like really, it's like perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what? yeah I, I definitely agree with what you're kind of talking about. Like, like he, like definitely looks like he's like trying to look like a Conan the Barbarian or like a Frank Franzetta. <laughs> yeah, dude, totally. Mixed like, with like New York, New Jersey meathead kind of thing, and I mean that in the best way possible. Abs- absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all fans of Danzig. Uh, uh, if you can't tell, I think uh, he he has a, st- a storied career. You I- know, with. I just think of it this way, you know, we yeah. might be making jokes about him, but, you know, I mean, I feel like that's because, you know, it's like, oh, I like this guy, you know, yeah. like he's, a, I can do that. I mean, if you want to be a comic book villain, which I guess he did, you know, those guys are kind of funny. They're cartoon characters, so that means mission accomplished for him. I bet he doesn't like some of the memes, though. I've heard that he doesn't. Uh, he also doesn't like people taking pictures of him live, so. Does not like that one bit, yeah, we learned. does not like that. We learned that firsthand. Yeah, I heard he was got really mad when there was um those those videos or the pictures went viral of him like carrying boxes of cat litter. Yeah, and he apparently was like very upset by that. Which like <laughs> I guess I get because it's just like he's just carrying cat litter. But then there's like that great picture of him cutting a slice of cake every yes, a, a couple yes. of my friends every, every I haven't year seen on their that birthday, one. <laughs> I'll send them a picture of him slicing a piece of cake. Yeah, it's him. Like, and the, isn't there like pictures of him like passing it out too? He has, I like, think so. Yeah. Show and he's like sweaty and shirtless, slicing a massive chocolate cake. <laughs> that sounds that sounds awesome. <laughs> well, I think we got to go back to you know I, I'm not gonna with these uh, legacy episodes. We don't ever really like try and focus on like hyper specific details, even though s- sometimes we might get a little you know detail oriented at times, but. If you know Glenn Danzig, you know him for a couple of reasons. Um, I doubt it's for his uh, film career or it's maybe his comic books necessarily. You probably know him because of his music. And the first band, proper band, that uh, he was in, tech, I guess, was the band Misfits. We're all uh, we're all familiar with that I've, band, he, huh? He's made re- he's made references in interviews to like being in some band before that. I couldn't yeah. find out what it was. I feel he like said it they, wasn't. They didn't like do anything. Though. Yes, yes. But uh, he was in some way musically inclined prior to linking up with those other idiots from New Jersey. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a uh, he talked about uh, in an interview with Pusshead from 1986. He talks about like. Pusshead asked, like, what were you doing before, like, you started playing uh, bands and misfits and stuff like that? And he's just like, 
getting drunk, you know, making a mess and all that other stuff. So I guess it seemed to work. Uh, Misfits, uh, I guess a punk band formed in 77. Uh, he, I believe, originally was playing guitar and doing vocals at the same t- uh, at the same time. Or like playing keyboards. I yeah, the first yeah, the, 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 the first single doesn't have the cough cool yeah. has no guitar. It's keyboards, um, and I believe that was with Bobby Steele later of the Undead. I know he was like an OG Misfits member prior to moving to New York and starting so. the Undead. Or yeah, something because there was a girl in the band too. I forgot her name. I think that first. I don't even know if Jerry. You might know Mike. Uh, Jerry only and. Um, Doyle, were they in the band on Cough Cool or no? No. Uh, just Jerry. I just think. Jerry. Okay, Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doyle didn't come until Walk Among Us. Okay, yes. Good. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, that first single is definitely, I mean, in a way it almost is uh, foreshadowing the sort of weirder, like, uh, Sam Hain stuff because it's pretty experimental and avant-garde. It's not like, you know, the Ramones with creepy lyrics. It's it's pretty, pretty, pretty out there. Um. Yeah, I got this right here. Um, Actually pretty scary see. sounding, to be honest. Yeah, someone named uh, Manny yeah. played drums, and then Jerry Kaifa. That's, yeah, Kai, That's Kaifa. Jerry Kaifa. only. Jerry only, yeah. Uh, is that Jerry only? Yeah. Okay, Jerry only. Uh, One of the bass. things I really like about the Misfits is something that you really don't get nowadays too is because they started in you know like 1977 is you really get this cool progression of them getting progressively more aggressive yes in the sense that like that almost never happens with bands nowadays it's usually the opposite of them getting softer more melodic stuff and it's just like every album is then like ratcheting the tension to where like there's nowhere to go past like earth ad to where they're like a full-on like hardcore band very fast yeah Yeah. that's a good point i hadn't really thought about that before because that that's that's true there might be a couple other bands that are a little bit like that but yeah they 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 definitely i think it's their music even when you get into walk among us and shit makes a lot of sense when you realize that they were playing in new york city in 1978 with like way like hardcore probably wasn't even on their radar remotely at that point no because they didn't a a thing unlike the i mean it was starting to be a thing in california and then teen idols went out there and saw witnessed you know the scenes you'd see in the decline or whatever but certainly i don't think those fucking guys in jersey were even aware of that at all and it doesn't sound like they are um um, i would it i guess it depends um it does seem listening to some interviews from 81 it does seem that they were like aware of like what was going on by that point. Um, yeah. Uh, and like, but I would say th- Danzig especially seems throughout the interviews that I've listened to and read. Um, he is like aware of like music as a whole of like, especially punk and stuff like that. And I think that's really cool. Cause I feel like a lot of people that are as big of a character as Danzig, they tend to be like in their own world sometimes. You know, well, it's interesting too. Yeah, but one thing I was thinking about listening to them and shit in advance of this was, it's odd to think about him not being that big of a character in the eighty. Like he was a character; he still had his shtick, but he wasn't like separate. He wasn't like a rock star yet, and he still was operating in a frame where like any show he was playing was a punk show. Yeah, and like he was friends with Henry Rollins and knew all these people and. Tesco Vey, who I think he had a falling out with. and He did. Yes. And he actually yeah. characterizes, uh, this is one of his, in a different zine interview I was reading, 
it's one of his grievances about Jerry and Doyle is they like hated everybody in the punk scene and thought everybody was an asshole and wouldn't, you know, give people a chance. Yeah, I think, I mean, I could be talking about my ass. I know like even there, I think there's like video of them maybe even covering like negative approach at the time. Just because they were like friends with the, I think they were pretty tight with that scene, like the the Necros. And it was uh, they were covering Rise Above by Black Flag. I've was seen that, that video. It? Okay, yeah, but it was. And, it, videos, it, and I think John Brandon sings. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's in Detroit. It's on that. It's the, in Detroit. Might be something that you're. Yeah, not it's on that video, show. Yeah, which uh, the footage of that that so there's some really high quality f- upload on YouTube of the Negative Approach set, and that sounds awesome. But the footage that's up of the Misfits set is it it makes them sound like they kind of like this is what the misfits are they're playing super fast it's it's 83 i think or like yeah at, maybe at the tail end of 82 i can't remember um so this is when they're like being a hardcore band but i forgot they play they play bullet like so fast that like it doesn't seem like danzig can even like keep up with the band well that's it's hilarious he hated that too and he complained about it. he said those guys were trying to speed everything up to fit in or something but no one thing about this band that is really i think is notable if you want to understand their legacy in context is they did sound bad um it's absolutely (laughs) yes because they they made they like modified their guitars to look scary and spray painted them with just spray paint so everything would go out of tune constantly and uh crazy dedication i mean it's it's reminds me of like when kiss started and they had like tried to have like things to raise peter chris's drums and then the thing would break and you know his cymbals would fall over and that kind of shit or like when kiss would have the fake amps that didn't work to look like they had a you know a wall of amps uh but this i mean the 70s misfit stuff is interesting because they weren't wearing the makeup yet that hadn't been established Mm -mm. they're not hardcore records the kind of mid-tempo punk stuff, but the one consistent theme is they do have it's it's a lot of horror movie references on Static Age, right? Is Static Age the name of the movie too? Uh, I, that one I actually don't think it is. Okay, because um, I, I know Static Age was recorded, and I think like '78, but it didn't come out until the '90s. Okay, to, okay, um, I didn't know that but either. It's like they all a lot of those songs ended up on like singles and stuff. And right, like, right, right. Yeah. And it was the uh, the legacy of brutality. That was like, 85. Yeah, like, but a lot so, of those songs are from Static Age. Yeah, yeah they're like alternate so, mixes yes. of them. Yeah. They, uh, for those that don't know, so 77, the Misfits start. They have that uh, Cough Cool She 7-inch. Mm-hmm. Um, they, in 78, they record a the Teenagers from Mars, but they don't put it out. That doesn't come out. They were, uh, they talked, like, they were very selective, they said, about what they put out. And then... So really the first, I guess, real thing we'll say from the Misfits um, would be the Bullet EP that came out in seven, on 78 on Plan 9, which was Glenn Danzig's record label that he started. Um, I think it's really interesting that it's kind of cool that that came out in 78. I believe two records came out in 78. That and then the, what, three hits from, or Night of Living Dead. Yeah. The, yeah, Night of Living Dead. And then... Yeah, I think that was when Bobby Steele was in the band. Yeah. Oh, wait, probably I'm, a horror business around that same I'm time. I'm sorry. Shortly after. 78 was Bullet, but then 79 was Night of Living Dead and then Horror Business. London Dungeon, yeah. was that a B-side of one of those songs? London Dungeon was on, um, let me see. 
Because I know that was yeah, a, I do get some of that mixed up. That that was supposed to be well, yeah. It's because it didn't come out till He's later, but we all heard it at the same time. Yeah, that was a track about what was going to be their big break. They were going to go tour with the Damned in the UK, and they couldn't get in, and they got locked up for no, the no. night. They did. So they did tour with the Damned. Oh, really? Okay. They went to the UK to tour with the Damned. So seventy nine, and during this time, there's few first years of mis of misfits. Um, there's a lot of like lineup changes and Glenn says they just stopped <laughs> people would like just not show up to practice um I remember he talked about like with uh, Bobby Steele like and uh, yeah, drug problems and shit like that he but did. they they did go to the UK because they were going to they were touring with the damned and but the thing is when they went over there they didn't at the time before they went sign like this document so they were like we're not paying you so they got a new manager, um, but by the time like everything was like all good, they I think kicked their drummer out, and they wanted to audition to tour with the Clash, I believe, in the U.S. or the U.K. somewhere, but they weren't able to. So you have this kind of weird period from like '79 to like in the '80s, like 1980 where they don't really do too much, and it's because, like, it's they said that it took them, like, six months to find a drummer. Yeah. But... The Damned also... Uh, Googie. Yeah, Googie. yeah, yeah. The Damned, another band that was very much on the spooky tip, especially during this oh, era, yeah. although in a bit of a more musically developed form. What was, more, more, what was that, Machine Gun <laughs> Etiquette or something? Yeah. A little bit more cheek to it. Yeah, that, that too. Yeah, Machine Gun Etiquette, but even before that, I mean, really, if you want to go to the very genesis of, like, spooky horror movie shit in punk rock it would be dave vanian dressing like fucking dracula in like 1976 like i love that yeah. it's just like a bit that i love that's one of the things i love about early punk is someone's just like i'm gonna be a vampire and yeah, like, yeah 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 cool, yeah cool, sounds good <laughs> like everybody else kind of had like you know safety pins or although you're right everyone kind of had their own bit but that was like way out of left field for him to just be like yeah no i'm gonna look like dracula like why not yeah what's crazy too about the misfits around that time is that's when they recorded the uh, 12 hits from hell what was gonna be their first LP? Yeah, and it was yep. never released. It's kind of one of those things that like big misfits dorks like me like because it, it's actually their best album, and I kind of do think it is because and a lot of the songs ended up getting recycled onto different singles and stuff. But it's a lot of the songs that ended up on re-recorded later on "Walk Among Us" and a bunch of those subsequent singles where. It was going to be really cool because you can still find the track listing and stuff online where, like, it was going to open with Halloween 1 and close with Halloween 2. I um, don't think I've actually listened a, to that. That's I'm, You okay. can find it on YouTube. It's okay. cool. Uh, but, and then they ended up not releasing it for whatever reason, and they kicked Bobby Steele out, and they that's around when Doyle joined. And that's when I feel mm -hmm. like they, like, really started getting more involved in, like, the hardcore scene. Yeah. yeah. By, more by necessity, I think, than actual kinship with the hardcore scene i think it's just like that's kind of what there was where else were and they gonna go they're not gonna be like an early college rock band yeah. in that point like exactly. not gonna yeah. happen and they're not a metal band yeah i think to um go to what a fellow podcast of uh that we all maybe like i'm not sure about you mike but demo listen they're doing a series mm -hmm. on 19 uh hardcore punk from 1981 and they talk about bands like like husker do or something like that and Husker Du, not necessarily, like, very little of their discography is, like, hardcore, we'll say. Um, but it's kind of one of those they things. They have, like, one and a half straight-up hardcore records. Yeah. yeah. That's about it, yeah. Out of, like, eight records. <laughs> so, like, they, but it's one of those things, like, 1980, 1981, it's like, 
where else is this band gonna fit? Like the hardcore scene. Yeah. That's and that's why I think about those early punk hardcore records are so cool is because there is kind of like this weird like range of stuff that doesn't necessarily fit with each other but it you're talking how like maybe some songs would be more like kind of like rock and roll and then those be songs are like thrashier exactly like black flag doesn't necessarily i mean uh, the thing is with a lot of the band like some of the bands like if you have like the dc bands those early records all kind of do like stuff from like 80 like very early 81 kind of all like sounds very similar like the soa record like teen idols or something like that like the first government uh, issue first minor threat record um it's not there's not too much there there's not like too much meat on the bones but they're just really good records still it's kind of like a little bit after where they start developing it i think misfits is just interesting because they were a band like three two three four years kind of longer than a lot of the people that they were interacting with in like 81 82 yeah, they were geographically well placed. Also, Go ahead. No, sorry. Yeah. Continue. Oh, I was gonna say they're also uh, a pretty controversial band, even in the punk scene at the time. Have you guys ever heard about the story of them in San Francisco? Yes. Where... I don't. Re- I don't remember the intricacies of it. I know they said them. I remember someone in American Hardcore said that people only really liked the Misfits like a bit. In they had a somewhat of a fan base with some people in California. Really, the Midwest is where people liked them. Yeah. And people in New York kind of liked them pre-New York hardcore as we would know it. But as we've talked about oh, elsewhere, like New York hardcore as we know it didn't even start to be recognizable in any form until like probably 1982 or 3 or probably 1983. When you yeah. get like Urban Waste. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Misfits were playing New York all the time before that when it was kind of kind of freaky. And it, to, to your point, Tyler, like really musically all over the place because the New York sound we all know and love hadn't even begun to coalesce at all yet. It's also interesting in, like, there's an interview in them from 81 where they're talking about they don't really play, they don't like to play in New York that much because um, it's, like, everywhere else people go off a little bit more. You yeah. Know, people mosh harder. People, like, do that kind of thing. So they're like, yeah, we'll play, we play New York City, like, every three months, you know, if people went a little crazier. But right now, every six months or so. Like, Detroit was more of their Detroit scene. was their spot, I, yeah. yeah. What happened in Frisco? This is, I don't really know the story. They were playing uh, in San Francisco, and they were getting into it with the audience. The audience was kind of heckling them. They started calling uh, the uh, audience homophobic slurs and stuff because, you know, because they're kind of meathead kind of guys. Right. And then some kid is, like, messing with Doyle, and Doyle slams his head, his guitar on the kid's head. Yeah. Whoa. Hospitalizes the kid and, like, paralyzes him. And they get like run out of the venue. It's like it's like the way that you hear the story. It's like literally like a like a movie of them being like run out, and being chased because they like they wanted to fucking kill the misfits. Yeah. Uh, and they got like banned from the West Coast. I think for like pretty much the rest of their existence. And, oh, like, MRR was like smearing them and stuff. Yeah. So in that you pus, could never get away with that. <laughs> no. In that Pusshead interview, he talks about it, and what ha- what he says is what that kid was throwing there was a kid that was throwing full unopened beer cans at Doyle and he was like stupid thing to do to a very stupid thing to do um (laughs) so he was like and he's like now you gotta remember Doyle was 16 at the time um so he's like I don't condone what Doyle did but I also can't I understand why he did it 
he just he's like I, the way I look at it, it's it's kid on kid violence. It's they're both they were both minors, I believe. I don't think either either of them were eighteen. It's kind of fucked up. Doyle there was Von no Frank. there was no security too. Um, I guess it was Doyle's like a, just built like a linebacker. <laughs> yeah, it's and this it caused like a full on riot. And it's funny because he also was because Pusshead was like talking about oh fuck. Hey guys, so we were using Zoom to record this episode and we were not aware at the time of the pretty strict time limits that Zoom had on their meetings. So it caused a little bit of issues having to do that and it took multiple meetings for us to finish it. Hopefully I edited it together pretty well. I just wanted to explain that as there's going to be a little bit more breaks than normal. But we do appreciate you guys listening uh, and hope you enjoyed the rest of the episode. So, as I was saying, big the San Francisco, the Frisco incident, after this whole thing happens, uh, Danzig tells Pusshead, uh, you know, and actually, our, uh, after that happened, we got more, we got even more sales in that area on the West Coast in Fran- San Francisco. So, <laughs> it's... Could be true. He does talk about there is, like, especially in the early days with Danzig and, like, a lot of bands that like, have this, like live reputation in the 70s and 80s that whole thing got so blown up sometimes by like game via like games of telephone like maybe that kid got paralyzed who knows i don't know but like i remember there's a sam hain thing weren't they talking about how like they like or no it was was also in Pusshead. he's talking about sam playing in sam hain the band that came after misfits and how they would play people were saying yeah they're playing in total darkness and stuff like that and he's like yeah we don't we don't do that like that makes no sense <laughs> yeah, people people that's people miss i mean now that everything's like videotaped it doesn't happen and as it, much but i mean think about how dumb how much dumber people probably were back then too so yeah that's true <laughs> just misremembering things he did with regards to the west coast i remember there was a flip side interview where glenn is talking about the misfits out there he said they had a following out there but interestingly he said it was all the like early skinheads on the west coast that liked them because to someone who is doesn't have like the sort of context and or baggage that we would i could see where the misfits would sound like an oi band to you yeah i was musically (laughs) musically speaking the song brain eaters (laughs) yeah yeah exactly misfits 82 let's just go into that they released their first real full-length uh, Walk Among Us. Yes. Uh, Walk Among Us, as maybe the youth might call it, consider it. Uh, great album, I believe. They kind of got screwed over on that record pretty badly, though. That's like a big thing that happens with the the Misfits, and I think that's interesting because like, with a lot of these early hardcore and punk bands, they, they last two years and they break up and they do something else. Um Misfits is yeah. an interesting example of band, something that like just kind of kept going through like sheer will and determination, um, which led to you know other things. You know, kind of I guess maybe it shows like Glenn Danzig's you know will and determination. But it's what Black Magic is all about, baby, is your will. But there was something about how <laughs> I remember him talking about how the record came out and they pressed like a ton of them. The label pressed a ton of I forgot what label was on. Um, 
pressed a ton of them. They did some weird import thing. Um, they messed up the covers originally. Like, is this why their records are all really expensive? Is because they're all, they were all like a shit show when they, they came were, out. I think what he, if I recall what he said, he said something about like they put they pressed them out like in Europe and then they imported them, so they were more expensive. So they're like an import. Yeah, that makes sense. I think a lot of the times with them, the legends like they really became way more popular after they broke up once yes. they started releasing those collections. Because they were so hard to find. Because, you know, other than Walk Among Us, I think it was on Slash Records. But other than that, like all that Plan 9 record stuff, that's all just, you know, like probably tiny pressings. I'm not a record dork like that, but I can only imagine that's why. They made, they actually pressed a bunch. Um, again, with that Pusshead interview, this is why, you know, that maybe the power of Straight Edge um, is important because Pusshead is like really <laughs> about details. He's like, with everything. And how many did you press? Like he said, he says that so many times, but he's saying with like, he said something about like bullet. They made like 10,000. Um, oh, wow, and okay. these are multiple. These are probably a few pressings um, with the, that's what other... Danzig is saying though. Wait, they yeah. made 10,000 copies. I was going to say yeah. like that, that might be true, but I would say just generally as a caveat, that makes sense as a caveat for this whole episode, facts that we are relaying because Glenn Danzig said them true. Yeah, note, not be. <laughs> note that our source for those are that Glenn Danzig said it once. And that may not, you know, I don't know what kind of academic rig- rigor, rigor yeah. applies there. Some of it could be true. Some of it could be. So with your your last comment, Mike, kind of got me thinking, like, what was your personal experience with, like, getting into this band and, like, as a youth or otherwise? Because I, I know, like, for me personally, it was weird to discover like oh this is actually like a band that was because you know i got into punk and was like oh i like real punk now i'm not into green day whatever and i was interested to learn that the misfits were a real punk band because i just knew them as like they had a hot topic t-shirts whatever so especially yeah, since you're into you're into and like also does this intersect at all with your uh becoming a horror fanatic or was that sort of separate the two separate questions def- i guess there's definitely a time there so i, I think i first got into them you know, without going to my whole, like, punk origin story or whatever, um, you know, first getting into, you know, punk through Green Day and then Sex Pistols, Clash, that stuff, and then then into hardcore via, like, <laughs> MySpace, you know, and early YouTube, um, just kind of picking up those first names. So I've always been the kind of person that when I get into something, I want to get into, like, where it started. Yeah, um, same here. I've, I've been like that with everything, whether it's horror movies or comic books or anything. It's like, ooh, I liked this new Spider-Man movie in the year 2002. I'm going to read the Stan Lee books from the 60s. I'm just like, that's always been how my brain works. Yeah. But so, yeah, Misfits are definitely one of those first bands. And I just, I think I probably first got them on, like, Kazaa or LimeWire or one of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, I think, songs like Halloween and Skulls and stuff. Definitely, it was one of those bands where it's like, Oh, they mentioned Night of the Living Dead. I should watch this movie. I see. There, okay. There's definitely a tie in that way. Um, they they really did a good job. I've always said that like a band like Green Day was like a band that laid like breadcrumb trails of things to get into. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like who's gonna do their placements and stuff. Um, and it's the same way, kind of like the Misfits with horror movies and stuff. Like, oh, I need to check out. I think that's probably how I first checked out like Psycho because of the song Horror Business. Yeah. Uh, like I said, like Night of the Living Dead, all that kind of stuff. So th- there's definitely a tie uh, in there for sure. And there's also some great stuff you can find. I think I remember reading early on of um, 
I think it was in Flipside or Thrasher of like Danzig doing horror movie reviews. Oh which shit! Which are very funny if you haven't seen because he like fucking hated Stephen King. It's like another piece of crap from Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> that rules. I'm not surprised he, like, that he's he's picky, but yeah, that's fun. Cool. It's like we were talking about like. I mean, laying breadcrumbs to music is one thing, but like, not a lot of other punk bands that can lay claim to like putting out breadcrumbs for people get to get into horror films. You know how I first heard the Misfits? How? Uh, the song "Hybrid Moments" was in the movie uh, Jackass. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the first time I ever heard them when I was like a. I, I just remember know. being so confused by them when I first heard them. I was like, "This is really melodic." Yes. You know how like when you when. I'm sure you guys know because we're about around the same age. I assume that like you would download things on like Morpheus or LimeWire or Kazaa, all those things, and a lot of times you wouldn't get what you were looking for. You would get some other weird shit, like oh, I'm trying to get this No Effects song, and now I'm getting some like terrible, you know, skate punk band that just wanted to like get downloads doing it. Same same thing. And I remember downloading Halloween and Skulls and being like. So is this actually the Misfits? Because this doesn't really sound like how I thought they were going to sound. I thought right. they'd be like really gnarly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd already been into like Black Flag at that point. Right, right. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. It's like, and, and yeah, that it, it's, it's. I feel like that band is often not what, especially if you look at like who laid the breadcrumbs towards them. Like God knows how many people looked up the Misfits because like James Hatfield loves them. Yeah, I was and saying, like you can't talk about misfits without talking about metallica yeah they're just so and it's like of all the people that love the misfits the fact that metal guys are really into them i guess just speaks to the power of an aesthetic more than anything else because musically that band is like everything that those guys hate like i don't know about metallica those guys personally but like i you know not uncommon to see like camo shorts metalhead guys who are a little bit older than us jocking the misfits and it's like you hate everything about this, but you like this, uh, apparently. Yeah. Doesn't well, happen no, with a lot you know of other why? bands. Because they, they heard uh, Where Eagles Dare in that one, uh, like that beer commercial or whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> beer commercial? I didn't know that. I was, yeah, there was like a, it was like for liquor or something. I, I can't remember what it was, but. I was going to say my initial, I'm trying to think of when I first heard of the Misfits. I can't think of that. I'm thinking of like maybe the first time I heard something Danzig did at all. And I was well, thinking about this the other day. S- the San Andreas. Oh, yeah. Oh, does he have a song in Grand Theft Auto? Mother, I believe, is uh is in there. And then it's also, Mother, I believe, is also in the second Guitar Hero game. That's oh, probably okay. another. It is. It absolutely no. is in Guitar Hero 2. No, I, you know, it's funny. I only played San Andreas a little bit. I was a big Vice City guy, um, and I never got around to it. Like, I played a little bit of San Andreas. So, like. Whenever I hear like "Madhouse" by Anthrax, or even like "Come On, Feel the Noise" by Quiet Riot, I'm like, "Yeah, hell yeah, Vice City, baby." <laughs> there's there's some good songs on that game. There's there's they did one that had like a New York hardcore station with Jimmy G DJing. I forget which one it was because I didn't really was, play the game. Uh, I remember that yeah, four. Yeah, that was that four. was it. Yeah, and there's a Sam Hain song in a Guitar Hero too, which I just learned, and that's surprising because it's not even that well known of a band, but. Again. It's in Metallica Guitar Hero, I think. I think it's Mother of Mercy. Oh, yes, it is Mother of Mercy. The best song off their probably the best record, as we'll get into. But one of Hetfield's that favorite records, so personally. Yeah, it fucking rules. Well, let's let's kind of get maybe into that, but let's tail off with, with the yeah, Misfits here. Misfits thing. With uh, They end up recording in 83, or sometime maybe 82, um, the uh, Earth AD Wolf's Blood isn't like, yeah, it's like, is that what it's called officially? Yeah, it's like it's a 
you know, both titles are cool. I don't know if they work super well <laughs> with the slash between. Sounds them. like a double yeah. feature, man. It's, yeah, maybe it's it all another horror movie thing. Um, it's like Grindhouse. That's a good point. Yeah. A A D uh, Earth After Doomsday is, uh, I guess, what it's. Uh, it's not Anno Domini. No, not Anno Domini. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> sorry to on. everyone else who loves Latin. Um, and that's like the fastest, most aggressive, like misfit stuff for that time because they break, probably still they, is probably still is yeah i can't I mean, cause, imagine dude american psycho that's not that's like yeah, fucking no, no they, they only have one record that sounds like this and there was a reason for it i mean like like i said danzig hated this record because he said it was them trying to play faster than they were supposed to play it, i think he viewed it as like jerry and doyle even though they kind of hated everybody in the hardcore scene wanting to cash in on the hardcore scene and being like yeah, the kids, man. The kids want us to play fast like all them other bands. And, like, so they got Robo from Black Flag to play drums. And it does sound like, you know, what it reminds me of is the Teen Idols EP because Teen Idols EP, they, like, wrote those songs and then made them two and a half times as fast overnight because they went to California and saw the Circle Jerks. And it, like... Same for Void, too, yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that a similar situation? Yeah, I mean, that's what Void well, sounds like. Well, if you just, like. like, listen to the Void Flex Your Head songs... Yeah, it's a good and point. And they re-recorded some of the songs, and it's just, like... It's like you took a 33 record and put on 45, comparing that and, like, the, uh... Yeah. Oh, that and the uh, split. I, and but it, yeah, no, absolutely. I absolutely agree. And, and, like, it kind of sounds like it's not right, but in the case of Earth AD especially, I think it... It's one of those lightning in the bottle things that works even though it shouldn't. Like, it makes it sound sort of scary and disorienting and very, very dark for that reason. Because, like, Glenn doesn't get to flex like he likes to. He has to just do his lyrics. And he sounds kind of pissed off because he probably was. They were all getting sick of each other. And, like, it's just the riffs are, like, tend to be a little more ominous, kind of minor key or chromatic vibe. And it's just, like, ratcheted up to, like... A, a pace that is like unnatural, which that's what again, very black magic being uh, you know defying natural laws, things that should not be. I guess that's that's Earth AD. A great fucking like horror cover art, their best cover art drawn by uh, Mad Mark Rude, uh, manager of yes, yeah. the Battalion of Saints manager, real fuck up from San Diego. But yeah, I, I love that record. Yeah, good good record. Not one I listen to the most. I think. I think Static Age is kind of my favorite Misfit stuff. Um, I just like those songs a lot. and uh, I Yeah, that's why I love 12 Hits from Hell so much. It's because it has some more of that Static Age energy. But just with, like, I think the, the songwriting was just kind of turned up a bit. Because, like, I love Earth AD. But it does, they were had a shittier drummer. Like, Robo, he works great for Black Flag. And he, he works great for that record. And they had a shittier guitarist. Like, Doyle's not as good of a guitarist as Bobby Steele was. So it's like them really pushing to the limit of their abilities. And in that way, it's, like, really sick. And it's got some, like, like Death Comes Ripping, Green Hell, all, like, some of their coolest songs. But it's definitely, like, not sustainable to be, like, that that as a band when, like, they definitely sounded more proficient in, like, quote-unquote, like, musical early on. For sure, for sure. Um, by that point, Sam Hain was already starting to be a project at that point, actually. Are you talking about when, like, because Glenn talks about how a couple of the members of Minor Threat, uh, what Lyle and Brian Baker wanted to like do a band and wanted him to sing for it. And uh he was talking about like flying mm -hmm. over there and like it's like yeah, I just 
I'm not going to spend money on like doing this if like we're not going to do anything. Yeah, and but he had started writing stuff with Erie Vaughn, and in fact, the one of the Sam Hain songs, uh, Archangel off Initium. This is gonna my favorite Sam Hain song. I love. It's that a great song. fucking song, and they had written it. And recorded the music. The original intent was that it was going to be the Misfits with Dave Vanian from The Damned, but the link up never happened. But that song was written in like 1981, and it fucking sounds like it was. And uh, yeah, would have been great with Vanian doing vocals. But I was going to say that's like a, to point that out. They do that a lot, where like you listen to some of their records that like it's all just came out in like '82, like Walk Among Us. Some of those songs they writ they written like three years ago. Three years prior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Glenn is, it seems to be someone that, like, if they have a good song, like, we're sticking with it. I mean, uh, what's the what's the single he did? Who Killed Marilyn? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Forget himself. about that it's one. Like yeah. Yeah. They, they were like, yeah, we stopped playing it for a year or so, but the, the song's still good. So he's like, I went to a studio five hours, banged those, uh, the A and B side out by myself. He did everything by himself on that. Um, so he, he seems to be one that, like, if there's a good song, he's going to keep it. He's going to use it somehow. I think that's a, probably a product in part of him being a maybe a naturally, for whatever reason, creative person. Just he wants to make stuff. But his creative partners, at least through the 80s or the early to mid 80s, 70s, uh, were not re- they weren't they weren't like that. They weren't like that for various reasons or in various ways. We'll put that. And if and if you're in that position you got to come up with weird, uh, creative in a different way kind of solutions to just get it, you know, that fucking feeling. It's like a sexual frustration. Like, i got to make this thing. It's been bouncing around in my head. i got to get it out there. And I think that's where Sam Hain kind of came from, him with him and Yuri Vaughn. Oh, I was going to say, there's a, there's a great Lyle Pressler podcast interview that I highly recommend. I can't remember the podcast. Just Google Lyle Pressler podcast interview where he talks a lot about the creation of Sam Hain. And apparently they were him and Brian Baker, you know, it's right when Minor Threat were breaking up, and they were told that like Glenn was like, Yeah, we got guys from the big boys joining the band. Yes. We want Minor Threat, like we're gonna be like a hardcore super group. And then they show up, like, no, the big boys aren't showing up if he got these other random guys who didn't know how to play their instruments. Uh, and then it kind of I love Sam Hain, but it's like definitely yeah. like very primitive. Yeah, it was supposed to be with Tim Kerr from the Big Boys and uh, that Al Pike from Reagan Youth. They recorded some demos with him, mm-hmm. but I don't think they were released until later. Kind of reminds me of that band Vaughn in a way. In some Aesthetically, weird... I, yes. I said that to him earlier. I showed him a picture of that band Vaughn. You, are you familiar with Vaughn? Vaughn? Mm-mm. Oh, early a... American black metal from, band. Like, from like Hawaii or San Francisco or something. No, yeah, San Francisco, Francisco. Northern California, yeah. Um, but like if you look at them in like there's like some footage from like ninety one, they're all like I think they're a three piece. Um they're all if you saw it you'd be like, Oh, this is they saw like Sam a Misfits Hain. cover band or something. They are none of I'm them are wearing shirts. Right now. None of them are wearing shirts. They're like I think they have blood on them. Oh, I've seen this on T-shirts before. Okay. Yes, <laughs> on rules. I never knew who that was. They have rules, but it's even. It you want to talk about primitive? Like we're <laughs> yeah. calling it. Yeah, bl- that's we're primitive. calling it black metal because of how it presented itself. But like there are no like Viking guitar riffs. Like it's like they play one riff for a whole song, and it's just the worst riff you've ever heard. Like and it's on drum beat, and the guy's just like Satan's blood. And I like, like the blood, like the spinning. Autistic blood. <laughs> yeah, like, that's exactly how it is. Yeah, it's very weird. It's avant-garde. You would think it was like some kind of art 
trip if you didn't know any better but pretty that's uh, kind of unintentional maybe mildly influential band in the early black metal scene but uh i was gonna say also with with sam hayne it seems that danzig was like i'm not going to let someone stop me from doing it so if there is something that someone can't do he's he was going to do that if there's a guitar part someone can't do um like Dan- that dude damien who played in the guitar for guitars for a few years he's like i i will record it like if if you can't do it, I'm going to do it. Because at this point, he he, I think he's pretty proficient in like everything. Yeah. Um, at least proficient enough to where he could like lay it down if he needed to. And this and I, is, I think, one of the things that makes Sam Hain so interesting is the way the aesthetics progressed from the Misfits yes. to Sam Hain. Um, obviously, I know there's gonna be somebody who's listening who's gonna say, by the way, that it's Sawin. I know that is the technical. Way that the, for the Celtic holiday, Danzig called it Samhain. I'm calling it Samhain yeah. in this context. It's pretty simple. But anyways, the, the band is Samhain. The pagan holiday is Samhain. Not hard. Exactly. But yeah, continue. I just I've had people like I think you mean Samhain. Like no, I'm talking about the band Samhain. Yes. Yeah. But um, you know, because obviously like, the Misfits is so like monster movie. It's like 50s, like space age kind of stuff mainly. I love the way that that progressed with with Samhain towards being like more occult. And like this kind of like old, old world sort of Absolutely. occultism mixed with like much darker sorts of horror movies and stuff. You know, big time. more big like time. you know watching Lucio Fulci movies as compared to watching you know uh, uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space or something. I kind of almost get like a weird kind of like I don't know if like this is off base, but like uh, like a western, like a cowboy kind of vibe. Certain so, I mean, certain c- certainly they're they're in uh, in in uh, I I know what you mean. It's it's. I think you're you're saying that because of some of the weird chords they use. Like yeah, like not, that song "To Walk the Night." Yeah, that's true. And the, well, "To Walk the Night" to my ears sounds like the most like a Danzig song out of the the songs on that album on November Coming Fire. Um, yeah, this band. Yeah, it's kind of like westerny in the sense of like the Gun Club. I'd say Gun Club yeah, would be a good comparison. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, I'm I'm glad you said that, Mike, because that was especially upon revisiting them. I do think this is Sam Hain is Danzig's like darkest, most genuinely like black magic material, and I th- it's very dark and eerie. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's black magic in like the truest sense. Like um, I was thinking, there's a term that's kind of become a buzzword on the internet. People talk about liminal spaces, but what that really means is liminal. You go back to Latin, it means like threshold. So it's like a space where you are. In the middle of a threshold between before and after or one place and another, Samhain obviously exists in that space as being the band between Misfits and Danzig. And I think in that space is where he was, Glenn was doing very real black magic in terms of transforming himself into the character that would front Danzig and that the world would know and love. Like that, yeah. that is where he turned, he was transforming from the goofy comic book punk guy to being a fucking rock star is when he was in Samhain. Um, yeah, actually, and it's it's. I think you are using liminal kind of in the most correct way you can. It is uh, uh, to all the dork losers on the internet. It is not a, a picture of a creepy gas station. It can't be or like a hallway. No, it's not. That's not what it means. <laughs> That's not what it means. Literally, stop it. I sorry. I saw there was the one that was like just a picture of a fucking library with a computer. 
and it's like liminal spaces. It's like it's no, not a liminal, not a liminal space. space. A gas station would be because if you're on a road from you one destination what? to another, that's a liminal space. Okay, sure, but then it just kind of doesn't. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm getting yeah, to wrap let's up not about a vibe, but uh, yes, for 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 what you were saying, yes, I this is when Danzig is becoming Danzig. And and it's also another relevant thing from his lore. Again, the book collection video. I don't know where I put it, but oh yeah, here it is, Mike. You'll appreciate this. I I bought this one, the Montague Summers Werewolf book. Hell yeah! It is a good res. I've read a good amount of it. It's a little dense. There is a lot of Latin and other languages, as there is on the Sam Hain November Coming Fire. They got the version of Halloween where it's just him speaking Latin. But good resource to learn about werewolves, lycanthropy. Interesting topic. But I think that idea of a man turning into a wolf may have been, like, a very deep-seated obsession for Glenn. And I think during that Sam Hain era, he was—God knows what he was doing in private to try and do that to himself. I think the guy's far out enough that he's probably done rituals and shit. He alludes to it in that Pusshead interview you mentioned, Tyler. Like, he's like, I can do certain things that most people can't do. And yeah. Like, <laughs> he literally says that and with such confidence. It's— I maybe actually now that I think about it, yeah, he might be a, a magician. Well, it's true, he did do it, and he transformed himself, dude. I looked at like a photo from like when Sam Hain started, and I looked at one from two years later. His arms got like three times bigger, like that. He did transform himself. And, I and, mean, you know what you that's know? called? Though that's not magic. It's called steroids. <laughs> that you is magic. Called gains, brother. <laughs> I mean, there is there is the, the classic song off of uh, uh, Lucifuge. Killer Wolf. Is Killer Wolf. Music? Yeah, the Wolf. Um, no, whoa, whoa. Well, that's a great <laughs> one of the best songs on that record. But yeah, he those, played that live, that. didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, <laughs> fucking, was, it was awesome. Yeah. No, what song great. didn't he do? He didn't. I'm the one. He didn't do that. He one. didn't do that one because it's acoustic. But yeah, the Wolf imagery must. It's clearly it's a fascination for him. You know, the Wolf is a symbol of like really every sin or is the devil lust for desire desire more than anything and i think that's the same desire that would drive him to like be as creative and have as much output as he did um sam hain to i i can't have wonder and i'm curious maybe what you guys think like what if sam hain was just a band on its own and it wasn't like you know glenn danzig's in between band like I, i'm tempted to say because musically especially when you get to november coming fire because the early stuff, Initium especially, it is, as you said, Mike, very primitive. It's kind of like you can yeah. tell. It sounds sloppy and shit. Once you get to... Lots of cool synthesizers and stuff. But yeah, like yeah. But even on that one, it's minimal. like... It's kind of death rock. It almost is... It's very death rock and yes. drums especially. Like lots of Tom stuff. Like would people think they were like a post-punk band almost? I mean, they might be a little too heavy, especially by the time you get to that second LP. But like... It's weird. There's weird chords. There's synth. Probably just like gothic rock, yeah. right? Just yeah. goth. The, that, yeah. that scene Lots of in chimes general. and bells and stuff. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, and honestly, I'm sure there's somebody who's listening to this podcast who's probably never heard Salmon. They've really shot themselves in the foot with that band's legacy because they're still, you know, not easy to find. I mean, that's not true. You can go on YouTube and find them. But for, like, people who, like, expect everything at their fingertips who won't look beyond a Spotify search... Yeah. They're annoyingly like not on anything. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's adds, a little frustrating. Kind of adds to the eeriness, but it is a little frustrating when I just want to fucking rock out to Mother of Mercy and shit. But yeah, same here. Like I really just want to crank that shit. Kind of I mean, weird that bias. 
Kind of weird that Danzig hasn't done like a like any right like a reunion or like anything with that. They have. Yet. They they did a reunion for like an anniversary or something, and it, they had Todd. In the nineties. Yeah, it was with okay. Todd Youth played guitar because he was in Danzig at the time. And I mean, if you watch video, I watched some Samhain live footage, and it is like there's songs off November Coming Fire. They do Archangel and some other stuff. There's also old Misfit songs. There's also, but also like they were recording demos of songs like Twist the Cane and shit already. Yeah. And that's the, the one Sam Hain released some gurus where you think of it maybe like the I don't care for Final Descent. That was the one where they were quite literally turning into Danzig. They had gotten John Christ. It's okay. Well, John yeah. Christ is in. So it's, I mean, it's going to kind of sound like Danzig, right? It's like him, Danzig. him and Chuck Biscuits on one song and the rest of the drum machine, but it's like. You take that eerie Samhain atmosphere and the songs that are kind of primitive but have kind of weird chords with suspended notes and shit. Like, if you take that formula that worked on November Coming Fire and then you just throw some big, fat pinch harmonics on it and you also have Glenn singing yeah. the way he sang on in Danzig, which is different, it kind of sounds like a mess and is kind of goofy. Like, it's like you took... like. You messed with the magic formula, like you edited the grimoire, like you're on to another spell now. You can't fucking quite do that. Because his vocals are, are like, I, it, once he gets to Danzig, he starts vamping a lot more, I guess we'll say. He's doing the fucking... Doing the crooner thing. The Elvis yeah. shit, whereas in Samhain it does, you know, to continue sort of this as a reference, like, sounds like he's just focused on, like getting the lyrics out in the world and casting whatever spell he was trying to cast. I mean, he's still singing and shit, but I do in the what what was the footage that we were watching earlier? Was that from 85? It was 86. 86. That's I was pointing out to him. He's doing the the mic thing, the way he holds his mic. Was that like at the the Ritz videos or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, he, like his classic know, his way. He yeah. He does it some weird. He's like he holds his mic like upside down kind of and then puts it like to his i don't know it's he does this weird way to like point to the audience you know if you're a hardcore band you got to give the mic to the audience um but he does it in a weird way where he'll do that and like also sing into it on stage he did that when we saw him he still yeah, does i know exactly he, what you're talking he about. just still does the strange mic hold. he still does it and it's, it's it's his signature pose for sure yeah what are you reading glenn glenn comics what kind of comics? Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah. One of your favorites? Yeah. Wolverine. It's like the sky. He's got the... Like the skeletons made out of unbreakable steel. Got this happening. Yeah. Sideburns. But Wolverine. Real violent. Is that what you like about it? Yep. It's real heavy. Violence is important, huh? Yeah. Wolverine. What else? Wolverine. Animal Man's good. Animal Man. Yeah, it touches animals and gets their powers for a little while. This one's cool. It's got Buona Beast in it. Mr. Monster. Happening. Just got these books before. This is a great comic by Michael Gilbert. Mr. Monster. This guy is like, whenever monsters uh, come around, they call him. He's like, gets rid of them. You have a large comic book collection? Yeah. We can briefly look at some of the Sam Hain records so people don't know what to... So people know what to expect from them. I know we're not doing a record-by-record record, record breakdown in this episode for everything, but I will say one thing I did notice 
about them. I like the way you put it about it being both very old world, but also like real occultism versus like American horror schlock. It's like it's his most like uh, abstract lyrics. Like it, it reminds me of Chris, mm-hmm. Christian Death musically with the chimes and the you know it sounds like death rock, but. Some of the lyrics, it's like you don't know what he's talking about, as opposed to like I'm talking about turning into a teenager from Mars or whatever. And it's like, I mean, he's probably just talking about fucking, but it sounds like he could be talking about any kind of like ritual or like just a uh, sort of experience he had where he was talking to a demon or an angel or whatever. So the the first record is Initium. That's '84. Yeah, that's got like retooled Misfits songs on it, at least one of them. Jim's doing, or Jim, Tim is doing the we dancing. Should I have Michael done the entire podcast doing the pose. Uh, yes, I mean, yes. Yeah, I'm gonna rock it for the rest. So that's of the, the first EP. Um, and uh, yeah, that one, I, as you described, is kind of primitive. Unholy Passion is an EP after that. That's a little more fully formed. Which one is your your favorite, Mike? Since you seem to be particularly a fan of this group. Out of all of them. Yeah. Probably November Coming Fire. Yeah. Um, I really like Initium, though. Like I said, Archangel is my favorite song. Yeah. Maybe Danzig's ever done. Like, I really love that song a lot. It's a great song, like, with two bass players and no guitar, which is already... Like, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but it's so good. Uh, I really like that Unholy Passion EP, too. It's got a really cool version of um, Hell Breaks Loose. I think they just... I can't remember what they call it on there. Uh, it's called, like, All Hell, I believe, mis- yeah. All hell, yeah, because yeah, it's all hell breaks loose. I really like that version of that one, but I think uh, November Coming Fire is definitely where it's like everything that it was kind of leading towards. I, yeah, I would agree, and I would say for anyone listening who hasn't given that band a shot, check out that fucking record. That's like the, the songwriting is a little bit more developed. Um, it's less dirgy. It's still very dirgy, and, and it, I mean, it sounds like it could have been in some alternate universe like just a record by a band that didn't include a guy we've all heard of and it would kind of stand on its own but towards the end of their tenure um he you know had more lineup changes yet again with that band there were a bunch of them uh and then he came into contact with chuck biscuits and john christ of doa and circle jerks yes yes and black flag and uh, one of the best punk drummers, rock drummers ever. For sure. Obviously. Yeah, great. We'll get great. into it, I'm sure. But I love. Chuck yeah, he's Davis. he's excellent. Um, so loves his cereal. Yes. <laughs> the man loves uh, a bowl of uh, <laughs> booberry or whatever. <laughs> the fruit brute. That's one I just learned about recently. Um, <laughs> I didn't know about that until I went to the store recently. I saw fruit brute. They brought it back. They got fruit. The fruit brute is back. I know Frankenberry, but <laughs> the fruit brute. I know it's really funny. Um, that sounds scary. Actually. It sounds. I don't want to come into contact with the fruit brute. I Dang. fear his ways and the things he may do uh, in the privacy of his own home or mine. Yeah, I feel like I'm really restraining myself from making bad jokes right now. There's. Oh, we could do an hour. <laughs> they, 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 they they write themselves on the fruit brute, but yeah. So so Erie Vaughn and Danzig were kind of the consistent members in Samhain, and then it was the, those. The two of Biscuits and John Christ and the two of them. And then somewhere in there, they came into contact with Mr. Rick Rubin. And there was some discussion of that they were going to sign to Def it was, Jam. Uh, it was, I think that it was like the uh, International Music 
I don't know, it was like International Music Conference. It was a thing in New York yeah, City. Yeah, that was a thing that used to be a big thing. Yeah. yeah, like he was talking about how, like, I think Sam Hain played it, and then he also played with, like, uh, Celtic Frost and Slayer. Oh, okay. really? And that's where uh, Rick Rubin signed. I think that's where they signed uh, Slayer and Danzig it's, to it, Def Jam. because I've had a hard time getting a read on how much Sam Hain toured or played live. It seems like not well, that much, but they played some key shows. Uh, uh, Danzig, uh, uh, in that interview with Stephen Blush, I keep, uh, bring it up um, yeah he was talking about how in la sam hayne played like a show across the street from motorhead and that they got their crowd was like 1500 people and motorhead only had like 300 very seems very dubious Again, yeah. citation here is glenn danzig said it but yeah could, perhaps i mean if they, they had... definitely were getting like the metallica co-sign at that point already oh yeah, yeah. Hetfield said that that I, th- I think was helping Sam Hain a lot. Yeah, Hetfield said November to this day I believe says November Coming Fire is like a top ten record for him. Um, wow. I, I I I do want to say one thing I I think Sam Hain is so great and the one of the reasons I honestly probably listen to them more than I listen to Misfits nowadays, just because they haven't been so beat to death by like pop culture yeah. and by like bands. Not many bands go for the Sam Hain sound. Mm-hmm. Um. It, it's like a much like it feels fresher because it hasn't been like ripped off like ad nauseum the well, way. Well, yeah, they were embra- they were embracing literal like esotericism, and when you do that, it makes it hard to be integrated into trends generally. Right. I, mean, I think you know you're not gonna my you're not gonna see my uncle rocking a, a, a Sam Hain shirt. No, you know, he's got a Misfit shirt, but and you know, no no Sam Hain. If you're like some dumb. And I, I only mean dumb because you're a young punk kid that wants to play in a punk band. What's easier, Sam Hain or Misfits? Or Danzig. Yeah. I mean, or yeah, or Danzig. Uh, misfits. Misfits. You know, some three-chord bullshit. You know, there you go. We got to fucking right, find a spooky thing. And there you go. Like, As opposed to the Sam Hain having, like, chimes and having, like, Latin lyrics. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's three chord bullshit. Like, it's three chord bullshit with that stuff you mentioned, which is already that's yeah. too. How am I going to do that? You know, there's uh, yeah, there's a reason why uh, death metal bands will try and sound like Obituary, and won't try and sound like Demi Lich. You know, yeah, they're, they're atheists. <laughs> yeah, <whatever>. exactly. <laughs> there's that the barrier of entry in something, and um, it's kind of like uh, another. I guess comparison is uh, uh, when you can do um, an impression of someone. Like, everyone can do an Arnold sorts and I'm Arnold because, like, it's been cracked a billion times versus, I don't know, like, literally any other actor. It's like, once you can't, it's hard to do an impression of someone, but when someone else can do it or it's it's proven to be kind of easier, I don't know, it's uh, easier things are done easier. It makes sense. And it kind of makes sense why maybe people don't um, overdo Samhain is because it's, it's a little harder to crack, maybe mentally. That's why, unfortunately, the entire genre of horror punk is ripping off mainly the Misfits and not Sam Hain. Yeah, it's uh, as we talked with uh, our friends in Demolis, and it's a uh, a genre that um, I, we need one band from, and I really only like one band from it, and it's the Misfits. Yeah, don't really for sure. need any other. Yeah, if that's what. That's why I like that. I I actually really like that band right now, uh, Final Gasp, just because no, they're the only band I've ever seen to like nail the Sam Hain thing. And it's like, yeah, maybe not the most original thing ever, but nobody else does that sound, so it yeah. feels really fresh. Well, I haven't heard them yet, but uh, 
Hey, I'll have to check that out. That's cool. It's it's like unheard of, but yeah. The- I, I heard a friend say the uh, final gasp is the band that asked the question, "What if a modern hardcore band tried to sound like Sam Hain?" And I mean that in the best way possible because that's exactly what. Yeah, because it's, it's, cool. it's an, uh, a question no one had asked or answered really before that. But uh, Sam Hain, moving on. So we were we're at nineteen. Was it nineteen eighty seven? Eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah, and I remember. Um, when he's talking about Danzig was talking about like this transitional period like yeah we wanted to get rid of our drummer um Erie Vance I believe was going to be there someone their guitar player maybe was going to be stepping down so kind of Chuck Biscuits and John Christ was kind of like it's like oh it kind of just works out like we wanted to get rid of the drummer we needed a new guitar player and then we they run into Rick Rubin is it, did I say his name right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he's kind of popping off. You know, Beastie With Boys, Beastie Boys, Slayer, Slayer, putting yeah. out like the best. I think best Slayer record. Um, and then we got Danzig and on Def Jam Records, no less, or Def Jam yeah. America. Well, I write all the rap stuff. I think that Rick Rubin put out was on Def Jam. Oh, that wasn't him. That was Russell Simmons. But uh, yeah, he his. Uh, side of the label is Deaf American. Yeah. Yeah, he also... I'm, I'm looking at... I'm actually looking at the Rick Rubin discography. Shortly before that, he did the big... Um, band, the, uh, the band The Cult, their album Electric, which is one of their... Oh, yeah. yeah. I think the big thing with, with, with Rick Rubin, without getting into it too much, his thing is, like, taking a band's sound, throwing out all the bullshit, and just making it, like, sound like a... like a, just a tight, clean band. Yeah. So that's, like, the whole thing with, like... With Rain and Blood is it's like, I love Hello Waits and I love Show No Mercy, but it's like, let's take out all the reverb, let's take out all the stuff that's like, might sound kind of alienating, and let's just like put it all up front. Yep. And I feel like that's the same thing that he did with Danzig, too, is it's like, let's take out the chimes, let's take out all the, the kind of weird stuff, and just like make it like a rock band. That yeah. uh, that cult record you mentioned, too, is also really good. Yeah, I I just recently got into the cult actually. Cool band. And uh, you know maybe to go back to what we were talking about earlier, Mr. Yay. I mean he did that with Jesus. He did Rick Rubin produce that? He he originally he, wasn't really? on it, but like they were like, yeah, we need like we need like help on this, and he came and I'm he, sure he pretty much did that. He there was a ton of shit. There was like a list of everything that he removed. He removed like a bunch of it, and he stripped that album down to like it's again, it's bare essentials, and that is like to me my that's like my favorite Kanye West album. Yeah, um, I I agree. It's kind of a weird record, so I'm very curious what got <laughs> taken out. It's probably bizarre, and I think that kind of shows. I mean, whether or not you like um, Rick Rubin, did he what? Did he do Metallica? Did, he, he did. did Death he, Magnetic. He did Death Magnetic, which is um, his big thing too. Is like. <laughs> the vocals of putting the vocals at the front which just makes sense why he's such like a popular pop music producer and hip-hop producer is because he really wants to emphasize that element of it which makes sense for danzig of like oh this guy kind of sounds has a croon to it like let's put that as like the marquee thing of course like, yeah we want to hear Danzig yeah. singing. yeah it makes sense I, he doesn't necessarily yeah, work he did with... death magnetic <laughs> he's kind of thought of as like the guy who like brings bands back he he also did uh sometimes to good results sometimes not i think he did red hot chili peppers too 
I'm sure he, yeah. that sounds yes, right. He yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking oh. at it right now. You know what else? He also he... did multiple Andrew Dice Clay records. Really? Too. Got to make sure so the vocals a... are up front with him. I got to hear what he's saying. <laughs> how do you How do you produce a stand up comedy record? Um, what is he like? Get rid of that bit, or like keep this bit? Get rid of the part where I can hear his leather gloves crinkling. <laughs> yeah. uh, get rid of the frat boys in the crowd screaming yeah, like slurs. Yeah, screaming slurs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Get some more slurs like, in the Can you do the hickory dickory duck bit again? That, that part was the real, like... Um, he, I believe he did the last... He did Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Okay. That was it, yeah. He did... Did he do 13 by for Black Sabbath? He did. He did that. He did Johnny album. Cash, I'm right? Looking, I'm looking at it all right now. He did... He did all this Johnny... The Johnny Cash, Johnny the later Cash one, records. yeah. Oh, uh, interesting he, connection, too. Uh, Danzig wrote a song for Johnny Cash on one of those records. Yeah, 13. Really? Yeah. That song, yep. The song from The Hangover. 13? Yeah. He also wrote um, a song for Roy Orbison for the Less Than Zero soundtrack, too. Right? That I didn't know. Well. That's that I crazy. Did not know. Holy shit, I've never heard that before. Fuck. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet, yeah. So, yeah, Ruben, kind of a guy who it seems to see the hallmark is either he ends up doing, like, either breakthrough records or, like, back to our roots trying to break through again kind of albums. I mean, Blood Sugar Sex Magic yeah. and then, of course, this Danzig album, which was, to my understanding, very, very, you know, big mainstream popularity. I mean, you'll... Not for a couple years. It took some time to catch on then? Yeah, so th it's, a, it's a weird story. Um, yeah, I mean, because it did okay, uh, the first record. Um, what's y'all's opinion of that record? I, I guess uh, I, mean, I know I'm I'm rambling my mouth off on y'all's show, but no, no, oh, you're good. Really you're, you're good. Uh, I I like it. It's not my favorite Danzig solo record. Um, the production I feel like is my biggest gripe with it. It just is like almost too dry. I agree. But yeah, I, I the songs are good. Hits. Personally, it's, it does have like, good. Like the hits are great on it. I do. I think I prefer definitely like three and two. To the first one, I can. I love that record, and I struggle to pick between the three records. What my favorite is, because I find I, I have a favorite for of each, depending on like what time of my life I'm in, or even the season. It's like, fucking uh, Lucifuge. That's like my summer one. Probably Danzig one is my like fall one, and then How the Gods Kill is like winter time, depending. Uh, that's a winter record. Yeah, yeah. I I agree winter, that his like his production record. is like kind of too dry, but. I kind of like it at the same time. It's very mixed feelings on the production. I was gonna say interesting. Uh, that album's also really front loaded too. Yeah, like, yeah. All the first like five songs are like all the first like six songs are like huge, and then it's like the last three or four I, I can't even remember. Yeah, it's that's like what like Twist of Cane. Possession. Possession. No, possessions. There's like in the first like six songs. Soul, like, uh, Fi Soul on Fire. Soul on Fire is four, right? Song. Soul on Fire is my like, favorite yeah. one. Yeah. That one, that one was always one of my faves too. Possession, uh, I thought was of course. Am I demon? Is really Mother. good. Mother, you know, Twisted Cane. Yeah, I I know what you mean. The last like two or three songs are kind of just like, eh, oh, whatever. If it Wait, ended her there, black or, wings, I think that's that. on that one too, right? What? Her black wings? No, that's two. three. No, that's two. No, no two. it's two. You're right. Um, you're right. I was gonna say it's interesting. You said three is your winter record because it's got Dirty Black Summer on it. I got a, it's a big, oh. it's a big summer, it's a summer beach hit. Get my, get myself. I, I listened to an interview with him, and he was like, "What inspired you to write that song?" He's like, "I don't know. I've never done a summer song before." <laughs> like, I don't do a very good impression of it. Mine sounds more like Sylvester Stallone. Y'all are around, spend more time around Italians living in New York than I. Oh, do. we know plenty so. of Italian Americans oh, yeah. up here. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, actually, and it's funny about that song, "Dirty Black Summer," because that does sound like. 
that might be his most like um <laughs> ACDC style like rocking shaking your ass uh, yeah, I you know, know like you rock yeah. song. I, I yeah. mean, except for "She Rides," which could probably oh, yeah. literally be an ACDC song. But I think that's the the big thing with them is um, really having that those first the first record, and then you still get some more spring going on later. Is it really does feel like a like a dark ACDC record? Like, yeah, and that's what like I love about Chuck Biscuit's drumming on this. I've always said he's like he's like the best like in the pocket, just simple, hard hitting drummer. Who like yeah. is so tasteful with what he does, um, like he's like so I'm I am admittedly a very big fan of the first like five Metallica records, but he's like a really good version of what Lars Ulrich tries to do, of just yeah. like really tasteful, really in the pocket, and just like hard hitting as hell, and that's what I love so much about right Chuck Biscuits in that it's band, a, especially. It's the problem with Lars is that he doesn't do that. Like he comes. He, he overthinks. Was, it, he I was think. good when he was doing that. Like on Kill 'Em All, he's like fine, he's good. But like, even on Master of Puppets, he's starting to try and get cute with his fills, and it's like, yeah. the fuck are you doing, yeah. man? Uh, Ride the Lightning. I feel like that album has like a ton of. He does these. Lars does a lot of really cool things where he'll do like. He'll put the crash accent, like a little later than you expect, and it's really cool. I like it a lot. Um. But yeah, I, at the same time, he doesn't <laughs> listening to like Kill 'Em All. It's like it feels like I don't want to say limp wristed, um, but it feels a little weak compared to like some of the other like metal records from like '83. Dave Lombardo's like, drumming. It, maybe that's yeah. you know maybe that's just or even a, the dude from Megadeth. That a product. Really it might be a production too. thing. I mean, Kill 'Em All was recorded in Rochester, um, but. I I know what, I do know what you mean with like Chuck Biscuits. He he doesn't do a ton of crazy stuff, but I also feel like Danzig probably wouldn't allow they wouldn't allow that because it's like it's supposed to be about like the vocals. And, like, yeah, he doesn't want Glenn would not want like a Rat Scabies Keith Moon situation happening behind him. That's not gonna be allowed by him. I don't think so. Back up for a second. I'm curious about. Sure the commercial success of this record because like for me it's like i would hear mother on like classic rock radio so when did that happen when did he like blow up in that way do you guys have any idea so that's it's it's jumping forward so what happened is danzig one he did okay they did some tours with like metallica and slayer the cult uh you know all that kind of big mainstream metal bands of that era they did danzig two danzig three and then they put out an ep called uh demon uh demon thrall, sweat live. thrall demon sweat live demon thrall live that had a re they did a live version of it of mother and called mother 93 and that's what was their hit it's very odd but that's what then brought back the sales of their first record i had no and idea you, um, and turned it into the song you know really? what i think also was a boost for that version i'm pretty sure the video for that um, was on Beavis and Bothead. One hundred percent was, yeah. Because they were, I remember them him talking about like when they had the video for Mother, they wouldn't like let them play it. Like they kept coming back with like, no, you can't have this. No, you can't have this. I don't know. PMRC kind of. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Because I mean, think about it. Eighty eight. This is like 
maybe around when like this is like satanic panic is happening. Probably you that, know? like the tail end of it. Congress was being forced to talk to Frank Zappa. Yeah, which I mean, oh, that, I feel like that already bad. That was that was. They're like, oh god, not this guy, <laughs> not this freak. It's yeah, but um, that's really interesting because that's kind of like a Kiss situation. Because Kiss, they did like three records, and then with Kiss, Kiss Alive, Alive yeah. that is where they got fucking big. So, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, was, what was I gonna say? Shit. The blow, like the commercial success in '93. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. It was something about that. I forgot. Did, I believe in '92 they did a tour with maybe it was '90 or '92 somewhere around there. They I think they toured with like Pantera and Typo Negative. I don't know about Pantera. Yeah, yeah. Typo Negative. I think. I'm pretty yes. sure Pantera they definitely did some Typo touring. Because um, remember, there's that footage. Never one of my faves, to be honest, but um. They definitely it fits pretty well. Understandable. Especially. There's footage. I mean, I know Pantera and Typo Negative toured together. Yeah. Because yeah, there's that footage of uh, Pete St- uh, Peter Steele uh, sweeping the stage when yes. Pantera is playing. Very funny. I remembered. I remember what I was going to ask because really important question. Did Beavis and Butthead like that video? Because I've noticed they don't like most videos. I think the only one I remember them liking is the Henry Rollins liar video. They're like that guy's cool, no, liar, liar. Definitely had certain <laughs> favorites. I know they uh, Rob Zombie and Guar. I think were two definitely two of their most popular picks. I I, I don't know about the Danzig. I want to say they liked that one. They ribbed him a little bit, of course, but that seems like one they would have liked. I, I think, think they hated Typo Negative. Actually, I think Mike Judge was not a big fan of metal in general. I think no, it didn't no. seem like it. Rollins was the only one I can remember where it was pretty unqualified. They're like, this guy's cool. And then he's like, that guy would never hang out with you, butthead. Like, it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, he probably Which wouldn't. It's funny because I, I, I remember there is like a, in a early King of the Hill episode, that they have like a punk character who wears a black flag shirt. So maybe he was just a black flag head or something. Oh, like a punk guy who hated metal. I mean, that was a common thing back then, well, actually. Exactly. Yeah. Who like felt alienated. I know by like that dude is a big. Direction of heavy music. He's a big. Uh, Scarface, uh, Ghetto Boys fan. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Mike Judge. <laughs> well, he put him in one of his movies. Oh, really? Yeah, he put him. He put uh, Scarface was in uh, Idiocracy. He was like the evil pimp guy. Oh, that's awesome! I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah, didn't know that. I haven't seen that movie in years. Um, but yeah, I mean that that whole four first four records of Danzig. I think it's really important worth noting that I think people lose sight of sometimes. It's like, that is, they're not solo records. They, they are a real band. Yeah. And I think it reminds me of, I was talking to my friend about Alice about this with Alice Cooper the other day. How, like, Alice Cooper was a band. They were a really good hard rock band from Detroit in the 70s. And then later on, it became Alice Cooper the man. And, and, and you get a very different sort of musical thing and a lack of and a declining quality. Yeah. I, I feel like it's a similar sort of thing with Danzig, where it's like the Danzig band was an incredible group of musicians that like kept each other in check. So, so how many of yeah. them were on the lineup on four? And is that the same lineup from same lineup. All Demon Sweat? Still the same people? They bailed almost immediately after. Oh, okay. Four. That makes sense. Uh, Chuck Biscuits quit soon after. Five is uh, when they got uh, Joey Castillo from uh, Wasted Youth, I think. Okay. Okay. Because four, I still four, yes. I like, but he's doing some weird things with his vocals that are not my favorite things for him to do. It has some of great songs. I mean, going down to die might be one of my favorite songs of his, but 
it's starting to not quite it's not up to par with the first three i don't think still yeah, very good it starts to slip there even that throw yeah, people, I, i've heard people like say like i only like dead's one through three i think you're doing yourself a disservice by writing off i agree because there agree. are some tracks on that record it's a little it's a little not as tight or as good. The song songwriting is a little more meandering, which is interesting to me because that was the record that came out right after they like had this big crossover success with Mother 93. It could be why. And then, of course, they kind of shot themselves in the foot by like releasing a record that's a like, little weirder and didn't like connect with audiences. As much. And there's like he also did like a Dungeon Synth record around that time called Black Art. Yes, that came out in 92. Yeah, it was even earlier. Yes, yeah. He was he was an he was an OG because he was doing stuff like that in like '87. Some of that stuff was recorded in like '87, and like between that and '92. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. It's kind of interesting. If I can comment again on the uh, the lineup switch up between four and five, um, uh, Danzig was talking about um, this is from the another different interview I read. Um, He was uh, talking about how. Um, Erie Vaughn would, uh, he was like, his musical taste was changing and like how, I guess on the tour bus, he'd be playing like the Allman Brothers band and like, <laughs> and that, and Danzig was like, I couldn't believe like that this dude was like, listen, this like mellow, like pot smoking, like hippie music. Yeah. There's a lot of influences you could fit into Glenn Danzig's, uh, sort of milieu, not know about the that. Allman fucking brothers. And no. then he also said that, um, Glenn would like to play rap music on his boss, and that uh, John Christ and Erie Von hated that. That's so cool. That's honestly shocking. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 he uh, strikes Danzig. me as a rapist crap kind of guy. Yeah, he <laughs> might be. Honestly, I feel like he would be now, but like the stuff back then, I could. Yeah, see him he was probably it, like, yeah. "Oh, this is like hardcore." He's you like, know? "I could see him being into like Onyx or something." Totally. Yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. That kind like, of like NWA. I mean, you know, I don't see why not. I will also. Note that I believe on four, I don't know how much he did on three, uh, the first three, but I, be- I remember watching an interview where he talks about um, playing guitar, some guitar stuff on four. Uh, and he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. John obviously is like ten times better than I am normally. There is some stuff that I can kind of do that he can't. Uh, kind of going back to the, the same thing thing. And even with like Misfits where it's like, though, there's someone that isn't able to do it. I'm just going to fucking do it. Um, but I think that is kind of an interesting thing too, though, because it's like, eh, you know, oh, we got before maybe they all just did their separate things, and now you're kind of creeping back into that that mode of like taking over something like that, and then oh, you know. definitely because I I mean I've read like a lot of interviews in this like the mid late '90s period with yeah. with Glenn where he's uh. Yeah, that was like a thing he brought up. How he like liked having. I think with the newer guys he brought in, he made it more of like, oh, this is like my. I'm thing. the boss. Like, I'm calling sense. the shots. I did hear. I've heard. And that's he needed somebody to keep people. Yeah, keep him in I've heard. Yeah. I've heard a rumor that the sort of weird vocal style on four was because of him hanging out with James Hatfield more. I don't know if that's true. I choose to believe it's true. I don't know what the fuck happened that made five sound the way that it did. That is inexplicable. Yeah, I- <laughs> I think one of the reasons for kind of I, I think I heard that he was having some vo- vocal problems from possible, yeah. and stuff. Um, I, I think one of the big things of four that kind of hurts it too is I feel like the first three records each one has it's kind of generalizing because they do have different kind of style songs on them, but they do have like a unique identity. It's like the first record's like an AC like a dark ACDC record. Yeah. The second one's like a a dark blues metal record. Yeah. The third one's like a 
is it kind of like a doom metal? Record? Yeah, I would Almost, say yeah. so. Straight up yeah. doom metal, yeah. but like it's pretty doomy. With some um, like classic metal probably my, Oh, for sure. And it's still got blue stuff, but yeah. it's like it, it does like have these slower, heavier passages that um but then it's like the fourth one it's like kind of just a little meandering yeah i feel yeah. like it, it doesn't feel as like the identity in. is there well, well five definitely has an identity i'll say that which but. is funny a uh, bad yeah. <laughs> well um like i was talking to jake about this earlier how um uh danzig was talking about how he hated stuff like um judas priest and stevie ray vaughn which to me that makes no sense because it's like uh, dude, if you like even listen to, like your first two records, like not not that they sound like Judas Priest or Stevie Ray Vaughan, but it's like, uh, dude, you know, it's like this sounds like Similar you know like your park, classic yeah. heavy metal and the like, then, then like all the fucking yeah like the blues rock songs. Well, like what? To be fair, I mean the idea of like classic heavy metal probably wasn't like as much of a thing as it is like we think about it now. But I do think it's funny to be like Judas Priest and. Stevie Ray Vaughn. Because well, those were those. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I was thinking. Like those aren't really similar. In my well, I think he was just using them because they were like big in the eighties and like that shit that he like yeah. didn't like back then. Yeah, I wonder why Stevie Ray Vaughn wasn't really big in like the nineties. <laughs> yeah, because he died, right? <laughs> he died I'm in fascinated a, in by a, in a very white collar or a blue collar or helicopter crash. Yeah, I might say. I'm fa- I'm fascinated by him liking rap music because these are the same era of interviews where he was like being racist. So. Yeah. Oh, I, the, he is definitely. He's absolutely a pretty conservative. Yeah. Person. He's smart yeah. enough to not talk about it too much. Yeah. He drops some some strong hints. Um, like he like. I never really heard him talk about specific presidents until it was he wanted to talk about Obama a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. That's funny. I kind of see where you're going with this. Um, oh, dude. But he never he never went straight like what Michael Graves, you know, his oh, terrible no. successor in the Misfits does of like just being the conservative. I'm imagining guy. him like hearing the rap music. I'm imagining something similar to Didi Ramone trying to justify his rap record where he's like, I heard Schooly D talking about Gucci time. It's like I want a Gucci watch. Like Danzig probably heard like NWA or whatever. It's like, yeah, these guys don't take shit. You know, I, you know, that's one thing I gotta give them is they don't take shit. <laughs> Just like me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's well, it should be a, a, no surprise to you guys uh, that Jerry only, big Trump. Guy. Oh, dude, oh, really? I yeah. have a friend who uh, I don't know how he found it, but he found like um, donation um, receipts to uh, to the Trump campaign. And uh, Jerry Only's real name was <laughs> like thousands of dollars. Unbelievable. So that's what those. Uh, the, so I never feel bad about uh, bootleg. No. <laughs> bootleg all not of that it. I bootleg it personally, but purchasing bootleg. Bootleg like Graves era stuff, even though it's I not mean, even good, just because fuck them. But but Danzig really was saying some like fucked up shit, like in that Stephen Blage interview. Even Stephen Blage is like, oh, did he? Oh yeah, dude. He was like talking about shit. How he's like. Man, like, I don't know, if you're, like, racist and, like, against certain kind of people, like, what's the matter with, like, all those people getting up, like, well, together and living together? Not, it's he, like, he's not saying that. He said, like, what's the problem Oh, no, there with, was like, another part that I don't oh, think you saw. Yeah. He's like, why, like, if a white person just wants to live with white people, I don't see the problem with that. And it's like, I mean... Sure, but there's because you don't know. There's anything. other context. How are they going to do totally that? Yeah, it's very, <laughs> he's, like, do that. definitely, that's what I'm talking about, how he's, like, very, um... 
unaware. My favorite one was the, yes. the part where they're talking about slavery, and he's like, well, slavery's happening for thousands oh, yeah. of years. The, the Romans made the Greeks slaves, and they're not black. And then he's also like, you want to see modern-day slavery? If you're a blonde, blue-eyed girl, you go to Japan, girls like that get kidnapped there all the time, and they make them slaves, which is like... Citation needed, Glenn. Like, that's not... What is that in the Montague Summers werewolf book? Which fucking book did you read that <laughs> Just, in? Which academic <laughs> journal reported on in Japan of all fucking places? At least yeah. say, like, Dubai or something where that maybe kind of does happen sometimes. Or like, you know of. where it would happen? In, in uh, Holland. <laughs> yes, Holland. <laughs> I mean, come on. Now, that's that's where you hear about all those girls like get, going missing. Isn't that where hostile... What, what? Yeah, yeah he, Japan. He, he never went... Full, um, like he never went full Phil, Phil on Zalmo. No, kind of. no, 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 no. To where it's just straight up a bummer. It's just more of just like he's an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Right. I loved, I loved Danzig, but he's like a moron. We like, saw him when we saw him perform. <laughs> it's not surprising. When we saw him perform, he was he like, made a comment about he was Joe like, Biden. I think y'all heard any good jokes lately? I got one for you. Oh no, Joe Biden. <laughs> that was the like, joke. That was. It wasn't like that bad. And I remember someone out there's just like, Wee! it's just oh, like, yeah. huh? And I remember Let's some, go pe- some people being like, hmm, or like, what the? Like, I mean, to be fair, that is funny. It's a, it's kind of a, a <laughs> like when I think about Joe Biden, it does make me laugh. That and like is true. the fact that the dancing also <laughs> is upset enough about him to like say something <laughs> is also yeah. funny. Oh yeah, he was on. Um, what was that? What Red Eye that show yes. on Fox yeah. News? Really? With that guy, he would have like Greg Godfrey. He would have like random. Yeah, he would have like occasional, occasional punk, or like metal Buzz. On his Buzz show. from the Melvins was on that a lot too. Yeah. Yeah, Damian Abraham was on there once. Uh, I know he like was like friends with Riley Gale and yeah. stuff. Yeah. But uh, he he had uh, there's a video of Danzig on, and it was a similar sort of thing where he'd like. Not nearly as much of a joke as the Obama administration, which is like, fine. Like I'm not like a fucking Democrat sure. over here, but like, it's just like, he's just a certain type of old white dude that's just like nuts. Yeah, him. yeah. I don't, I don't think he has, he, he never. We don't see really what his like political ideology is. I don't think he has one. And or I don't. Cares, yeah, like, I don't know if he has one. I was, I was saying to them, it's like, also, for someone that like has like, not lived a nearly typical american life or maybe human life i don't think he's going to have like a he's not well grounded yeah exactly he's not a very well grounded person i don't think you should this is kind of why you shouldn't like listen to like musicians like especially like him uh for any sort of like political or social ideology um that being said why don't we take another quick break and we'll get maybe a little more further into his post four career. The good stuff. The real good stuff. Okay. I will say I, I'm less uh, equipped to discuss it in full detail, but there's definitely a lot to oh, talk we, about. We, we, I, I did my research. Tim, we yeah. got uh, the, the main man, Tim Garios Bombs, who is holding up that part of the... Uh, I'm the, the true masochist listening to, like, the four records after the first um, four. And and we are also pretty familiar with the uh, – I've definitely listened to my fair share of the – Devil on Highway 9. Devil, <laughs> the last couple song. records he has. Elvis – Danzig sings Elvis. That one's yes. good. We'll be uh, right back here.
So uh, getting back to Danzig 5. I did want to note, too, for anyone that's like who might be frustrated or dubious or uh, listening to this or in the world, Danzig was born in 1956. By 77, when Misfits is starting, he is 20 or 21 years old. So by this, by Danzig 1, he is 32, I believe. That's a pretty late start. Yep, sounds about right. Yeah. And, I mean, that's it's nice because it shows that, like, hey, don't give up on your dreams because you haven't ex- ex- achieved the amount of success that you have yet. But it his weird comments kind of make sense because, like, by the late 90s, he is, uh, I guess, maybe a dinosaur in regards to the industry. He Yeah, because, I mean, in when 5 30s. came out, he, he would be about 40, I believe. Almost 40. And... That's yeah, crazy. Very, very yeah. odd record. Um, I, I, I think it's formidable of him that he, like, you know, he wanted to do something different, which is, you know, that's good. Like, you know, freshen it up a little bit. However, I think he chose the wrong direction to go into because this album, to me, uh, the best way I can describe it, uh, it sounds like he took the Butthole Surfer's uh, vocal effect, put it over his shit, and then he put those vocals over bad uh, wannabe uh, Nine Inch Nails slash Prodigy. It, it sounds like the royalty. It sounds like the like Kirkland signature version of the Prodigy. And then it's Danzig with his vocals covered in shit that you can barely hear him. Except there's a couple parts where he tries to like sing and his vocals are instead much louder than everything else. And in those parts, he's just doing an impression of Trent Reznor. I mean, even the lyrics he's doing, like, it's like, I want to come to you. I'm like, that's even, that's, you were imitating a specific guy's one biggest hit. And I don't understand. The, the, the mid to late 90s, I think, were just a really confused time pop culture. Yeah. The, the early 90s, I think, a lot of early 90s stuff, like, the kind of stuff that was considered pop culture, it's shocking, yeah. like, the kind of underground stuff that, that broke through. But it's like, by, you get to the mid to late 90s, like, that post-Nirvana era, when you start getting stuff like techno, like, reaching mainstream Oasis. stuff, and industrial, and it just really waters down a, a lot of stuff. Into oh, post-Nirvana music. devolved um, into, like, the worst music ever made, and now a bunch it, of people who weren't alive back then are nostalgic for it. And right, like, nostalgic time, for fucking uh, the Foo Fighters. Chevelle. Disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, yeah. You definitely have like that that post grunge stuff, and then you also have like even like last night I was watching this pretty good horror movie uh, from the year two thousand called Ginger Snaps. It's like a it's a cool like werewolf movie, but then there's just like suddenly like, random like techno parts, and I'm like, the, that, that just era of the late nineties was so confused as to what was cool. If you know yeah. what I mean. I mean, yeah, you got like that. You, you got Moby, new metal. Two like really just started to rise. Yes. That definitely plays. You got Eminem. I mean, you also have uh, they missed the Misfits also coming back. Like '97 is when American is that when American Psycho came out? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's funny because maybe he decided to kind of like if he knew that Misfits were coming back, he was like maybe be on some like okay, I've done all this, I've done this, I've done this. You know, Misfits. I mean. Four records with Danzig, I and I th- think you talked about how in an interview he was kind of like getting tired of the Rick Rubin production. Yeah, I would. Yes, yeah. I w- uh, that's what I wanted to bring up with this album. Um, 
I think this is the first record he ever did where he used uh, Pro Tools for his vocals, I think. <laughs> I, I can believe it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, well, just because I think – I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like um, you can tell that the production values went down on, like, these next two records because it, it, just something about it seems more like – I mean, I think you could. This was like a studio album. The, the, like. the production values on five went like down, but zigged and zagged left and right and yeah. into another dimension. While it, it, I was baffled when I heard <laughs> it. It was like I dissociated. It doesn't you, make any sense. It's like a completely. It's not. It's not like guitar rock based. It's definitely it's more like of like more industrial. Yeah, definitely an industrial type thing. Right, because I mean, it sounds like they're he's just using like like drum loops. It's not even like industrial rock. It's like trying to do like Prodigy would be an obvious reference point, like we said. I and but then like very specific parts where it's a rip off of Nine Inch Nails, but not or like white. Like yeah, yeah, but like stuff. not ripping off Nine Inch Nails on the whole because like Trent Reznor, those are rock songs. They're like well written rock songs. It is not like that. He's also deeply talented at what he does. Yes, too. yes, also true. <laughs> Um, and, and that's like kind of like what I was saying about how like Danzig was a band, and it, by that point, it, it to me in my brain, it no longer becomes a band because you have a bunch of hired guns just basically doing what Glenn Danzig the man wanted. Yeah, that kind of um, I can't remember what one it is either. Like um, six or seven, one of them. He it's mostly him playing like all the instruments, I believe. Is that six, Tim? You 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 boned up on all this. It's uh, not terrible. Stuff. Six is not. That's that's a full band. I think I think it was five where he did most of the stuff himself. I mean, it sounds like he could have. It sounds like he made it on Pro Tools. Yeah, like I mean, because right, like it's like it's got like weird like drum. Well, because the drum loops. That's what, it makes sense because the drum loops all sound like the cheap royalty free drum loops you would get like and when like you bought loops. when you bought fucking fruity loops. Yeah. Well. I mean, speaking of the sixth one, I feel like that's more of he 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 lightened up on the um, industrial techno sound, but unfortunately brought it's marginally better. Oh, he brought more more of a new metal sound in the fold. There's definitely a couple songs on here where it's like, damn, that sounds like a Godsmack riff. Like it's the second song, Belly of the Beast. Like straight up, it's like it sounds like Godsmack. I'm listening to it immediately after we finish recording. A lot of weird, like, but there's also, like, a weird mix of, like, there's some, like, good, pretty good, like, doomier tracks. Like, there's a song, Lylan, I think is how you say it, and then, or Lilin, something like that, and then Apocalypse. Those are pretty good. I think this time is, like, something to note is kind of maybe where also Danzig, or I don't know, maybe, Mike, if you know more about this, like, there are like two people that like Danzig. It's like there's like punks and metalheads, and like their why they like Danzig, I think, is very different. Like when we went to mm-hmm. the when we went to see Danzig, I felt like I was more in a metal crowd because I almost wanted to make I wanted to make fun of every single person there. And <laughs> if you've seen me at a metal show, like especially with Connor. Like, when we saw Defeated Sanity, we were just making fun of people the entire time. Oh, it's like when I saw Slayer, and, and it was like Lamb of God opening and stuff. Like, I know exactly oh, what Lord. you Oh, Lord. Slayer must have been, like, I would have, I don't I don't know if I could have gone, because I just, like, I, I would have said something, like, I would have just had to say something. 
I was blackout drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the best so way to I, enjoy Slayer at that point. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, I was thinking about that when I saw um, Tyler Man. You had briefly discussed because um, you didn't get a, get to go uh, the Cavalera Brothers tour doing Beneath the Remains and Arise by Sepultura, and I was because. Igor Cavalier, he had, like, an Antifa flag on stage. And I was wondering, like, I wonder how many people here are deeply upset that he has Many, many of flag. them. Many that, of and, them, you know, yes. That's why I was like, that's how you know Igor is, like, a real one. And yeah. I was like, that's got to alienate such – because, they, you know, it's like we are talking about these, like, very different sort of mainstream metal fans who are probably just like, man, I just wish they'd play the root songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, I just want to hear that song jump the fuck up. I hope, <laughs> I would hope that, like, that audience, because they were playing um, the, like, the death metal kind of, like, like real, in my opinion, Sepultura records, um, that they wouldn't be, like, the, the Chaos AD like metal fans i feel like those people would definitely be like fuck that antifa flag and fuck the cavalier where's brothers. my refund even <laughs> who paid your guarantee you go george soros yeah, me yeah. Do. it's like when you um, give your rider to george soros before the show uh, that industrial band um ministry when ministry did that song antifa uh and, yeah. and they got like if you look <laughs> if you look at the i don't know if you can now but I remember looking at the like and dislike ratio on YouTube, and it was <laughs> wild how many people disliked that rec- that song. Well, they're probably, man, who's paying for your tickets? Me, I am. <laughs> so, it, it, I also, I do think during this period of Danzig, this is uh, maybe when he was out of the spotlight a little bit more versus than a few years yeah. prior. But then he kind of, I feel like when he got memed on with the cat litter and everything, well, he, he got some more attention, maybe. This is also around the time uh, the uh, Danzig Six Satan Child came out. Um, that's when he got uh, knocked the fuck out by the guy from the Northside Kings. Yes, yes. His first memification, I think. First memification. Yeah. And then what, when is Devil on Highway Nine? I didn't well, know. Well, that's more. Records. That came out like five years. Okay, because so th- I will say that there's a couple decent tracks on that record. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that's a good record, that most recent one. <laughs> Which one, like the that's Elvis tracks. one or the one before it? The one the one from like 2017 or something? Yeah, okay, um, yeah. Black yeah. Laden Crown, I believe it's that's called. It. Yeah, yeah. There's a song called like Last Ride In or something, or Last Ride. Pretty good song. It's weird. I, I remember the promos for Death Red Sabbath. Um, when that came out, it's like, oh yeah, it's been six years. God, the album covers got so bad by the 2000s. Oh, it's dude. unreal. It's incredible. Oh, I mean, even like the, like the fifth. Fr- yeah, it's just like, what is yeah, going Yeah, it's like, on? what the fuck is this, like, Rorschach Rorsch- I'll say the thing. Elvis one is is the best post Danzig 4 record. <laughs> no, I, I like it musically anyway, but also just by virtue of the relatively tasteful cover art, it's the best one he did post Danzig 4. Oh, you're talking about a cover art specifically. Yes. Yeah, five yeah. five looks like a a bootleg ass HR Geiger bullshit. It's so stupid. It's, it's if an AI had to make that. Yeah, yeah, like Danzig three has such cool album cover. Danzig one has a really tasteful, cool one. Danzig two's a little funny, but it's still cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's like once you get those later ones. They had trouble. They couldn't get the rights for the uh HR Geiger artwork on the third one for like a shirt. Oh, really? They, they ended up yeah. getting sued by, like, his estate or something, I think. That's funny. So they only, like, they only got it cleared for the album cover or something? 
Yeah, and like, no, not for like the tour shirt. Mm. <laughs> Which, but I guess they like hit like him and HR Geiger like worked it out. Like they're they're like cool with each other and shit. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, you know, Geiger was probably like, "Wow, this guy's a real weirdo." Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's coming from that guy. I've heard you know. he. I've heard Glenn is litigious too. He threatened to sue uh, someone we know for who promotes wrestling because he had a wrestler who played on one of those later records and wanted the to use player. yeah the bass player and he wanted Josh to u- Lazy yeah he wanted to use a song from that record as his walkout song and they did it for XPW and then Glenn Danzig was like well, you can't I don't fucking think it do was that. that they used the first song on six 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 Satan's Child oh as so like for the theme of their TV show why would they be allowed to do that that's um oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, Lyle Pressler interview I had mentioned, um, Lyle Pressler later became a uh, like a music industry person for Caroline Records, and he okay. – Caroline Records was who did a lot of those Misfits re-releases from the 90s and stuff. Yeah. So he has very interesting backstories about dealing with both Danzig and like – the uh the only uh, Jerry only and Doyle around that time that I definitely recommend checking out because they just were such cartoon characters. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, Danzig talked about that with um Tang Records too. In the interview, he's like, "I'm gonna smash if I find out that dude Curtis from Tang Records is bootlegging my shit. Like I'm gonna smash his face in the to wall." To be fair, I've heard that from multiple people about Tang, but uh, you know, none of my, none of my. Oh yeah, business. I mean I don't none care. of none of my. I, think I just think it's funny. It's very funny. So, do you have any more notes, Tim, on Danzig later material you want to cover before we maybe sum this up? Yeah, I'll talk about uh, Seven and uh, the one after it, Circle of Snakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, both very... This is where it's, like, the albums really start to get, like, that cheap... Like, this was done at, like, somebody's, like, house with a computer <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's the vibe I got, at least. Like, the guitar sounds really stupid and, like, new metal and... <laughs> Like, the the riffs are, like, really ba- Just, like, really weird influences. Like, kind of, like, almost, like, Black Label Society kind that of sound. checks sounds. out, yeah. Well, because, yeah, you know, Tommy Victor. Him and his fucking pinchies. His pinchies, yes. Oh, yeah, yes, this is where Tommy Victor comes in. Yeah, from, and then uh, there, are co- there is one good song, Wicked Pussycat from Savin. That's a good-ass <laughs> song. <laughs> Wicked Pussycat, I'm sorry. And his vocals bad. sound, like, really dumb on it, too. I'm sure, so. yeah. But it's a funny song. I like it. Have you guys... Have have you guys seen any of Dan Glenn Danzig's movies that he's directed? He's done Yes. Two. We I've watched the first me and Tyler Erotica. I I did a commentary track for it for my old podcast. It's Oh, insane. yes. It's really telling, honestly. It's like kind of what we're talking about where it's like it kind of feels like he somebody did it in their house and like he has <laughs> surrounded by yes men. Nobody's going to tell him. This looks bad. <laughs> like it's shocking some of it. Oh, I mean like, it really is, it's like, man, the editing on that movie is, like, just, like, shots going on for, like, way too long. Like, what, it's like, what the fuck were they thinking? In the in the interview with Pusshead, he talks about doing, like, wanting to direct and do movies. He also talked about wanting to do something. Like a comic book of, line, right? He did, I think he did do Veronica. a comic book line. Yeah. Which, oh, that's, um, oh, right, right. Yeah, with the move for first movie he did, yeah. He wanted to do, like, Misfits videos, like, little video things with the Misfits. And I remember him being like, yeah, and they'll be good. <laughs> it's like the one movie you do actually make, um, which like, I haven't seen. Have you seen the other one? The Western? No, I have not. 
He I made a know. fucking western movie. Yeah, that sounds it's like terrible. a vampire uh, western. Yeah, Jesus Christ! Wow. And like, I think he's like purposely making it hard to like look to find because it's like, yeah, if you want to like see it, you'll like, see you it. Gotta, you gotta like, know? you know, go jump through a bunch of hoops to and see this really some bad underground movie. art, man. My movie, like Big Money Rustlers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I haven't seen oh, the second one, but it's, it's just so interesting to me because it's like this man I know knows what a good horror movie looks like. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, there's so many different types of horror movies, obviously, and there's like there's like good B movie horror movies where it's like, yeah, this is super over the top and bloody and fun, but it's like, no, that's not even what it is. It's just bad. It's like a porno without the plot with like a couple kill sequences. With the same actresses too. Yeah, same porno right. actresses. Yes. One, one, one of them being his girlfriend. Yes, yeah. yes. We've talked about her with my girlfriend on the podcast before. She's up on well, the lore. I with mean, that, that really is. It's like, well, for one thing, you should have hired some like real actors instead of the well, they probably fucking, like, af- porno people. He couldn't afford it. He probably couldn't afford it. Um, I I think it's it's also because, for those that don't know, Veronica is, like, three mini shorts. It's, it's like movies. a... Uh, it's an anthology uh, film. Yeah. Yeah. And they like, get... Like the movie Black Sabbath or Creepshow or all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Like, like Creepshow. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and they just get... I'm surprised we didn't... I think like, we probably what wanted was, you to What was it, the it. last one where it's, like, just... Like, it's, all these, like, virgin, like... Women getting like like Countess uh, Bathory kind stabbed. Of. He's doing a Bathory thing, yeah. But there was like no plot to no it. Plot. It was like really bad. Just kept going, and it's like God. I wish this would. It's like here's a girl story... sitting in a in a tub full of blood. Every it's story like... just somehow gets less plot and worse. Um, I don't even think there was dialogue in that. No, there was. There was, but again, it's just like, the Not fact much, that you don't remember it. Yeah, is telling. Um. It's it's kind of interesting because I think like, yeah, after Circle of Snakes that came out in two thousand four, I something like that. Then there was the break, I think. Big six year break, which is kind of long for Danzig. You know, I don't think he took that long of a break. I think for the anything. longest he ever he ever did, really. Yeah. Then he had Death Red Sabbath. Then he has um, Danzig sings Elvis. No, oh, then he did. Before that, he did. That I think. It was like the co- was it the cover album skeleton some like yeah, that bones was maybe <laughs> where he does like ZZ Top and Aerosmith so he does Lord <laughs> yeah, of the Thighs yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. there's a NIB uh, the yeah song oh man that yes that cover is also awful. also has a video with naked women in it a lot of bad porno vibes with later dancing for sure yeah which again is why the one that I will kind of ride for is the Elvis one because he doesn't that one is relatively tasteful I like that record I think it works better when he's doing the like fun Elvis songs it doesn't work but when he does the sad ones it good it he's is always good. on my mind covers really good that one's awesome yeah it reminded me rain. yes yes it reminds me of the that last Johnny Cash record before he died I was worried Danzig was gonna die because of that record but singing then he a bunch didn't. of sad songs yeah like that. yeah Elvis songs well you know there what Unfortunately, oh. like that's uh, that kind of style. I do not th- like. People do not want to hear that. No, they don't. Have you guys seen the Danzig Legacy special? No. No. What is that? He did a thing. Um, and never ended up being released, and it kind of became like a bootleg thing, where he was trying to do. You know how like you maybe know like like the in the early seventies, uh, Elvis had this big comeback special. Yes. Where yes. He, Legendary. Like, Nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was, like, a big thing. He tried to do a thing like that where he's, like, recreating, like, a set like that where he, like, plays in the center of a room and, like, plays some some old songs and uh, Doyle comes out. And it's, like, kind of cool, but then, like, the second half of it, it's, like, him playing in front of, like, 
it's like more of the porno kind of thing, of like just like artificial flame backgrounds. It's like I thought we were doing like a legacy special thing, and then it becomes yeah. just like a total trash. If you Google around, you can find it. It's I'm going kind to, of cool yeah. at times because around the same I'm time sure. he was also doing the Danzig Legacy tour, where mm-hmm. it was like he would do a Misfits set with, um, with Doyle because it's before the Misfits got back together. And he would yeah. do like a Sam Haynes set, and then he would do like a Danzig kind of Grace hit set. I I um, would I would like to see that actually. It sounds really cool. So yeah, look, look up look up that special. You can find it. I will. And do a little bit of digging. So to summarize, maybe what what do we think of Danzig's legacy as a whole? You know, since we're sort of we kind of a legacy of episode. Uh, how would how would we uh, characterize or chart his uh, his influence? We could do a round. What do you table. think, Mike? Know, Mike yeah. can start. Yeah, you start. Well, first of all, he can make the worst music ever. He made several, like, for 15 years, more than 15 years, he just made incredible record after incredible record. So, as much as people, like, want to clown on him, he's still the shit to me. Like, forever. Um, you, know, you know, there's, like, certain directors like that. Like, like Dario Argento, who made, like, Suspiria and, and Deep Red and stuff. Yeah, he made terrible movies you know, in the 90s and 2000s, but he made Suspiria. Um, uh, legacy in terms of legacy, you know, definitely. I mean, there's the legacy of the terrible horror punk music, but Jeff's just definitely like adding a certain sort sort of dark occult element. You don't get integrity without what Sam Hain was doing to me. Yeah. Um, you don't get a lot of those big kind of like singing, kind of like heavy singing bands. That's like kind of like like even some bands I'm not even as big a fan of. Like man, like Life of Agony and type of stuff like that. Yeah. But then you also have like, I don't know. He's just like everything he, every band he's done has impacted culture in very big ways. One, um, one, so. one obvious one I'll interject. Are you thinking of AFI at the moment? Because that is clear, yeah, of a course. very, very, and very I, clear I, I, one. Yeah. And I, and uh, I, I can't lie. I'm a pretty big fan of certain AFI records. Same here. Um, yeah. I mean, there was even that one record um, when Sam Hain did their reunion in the late '90s. Sam Hain wanted to keep going, but Danzig was busy doing Danzig's thing. So they started that band called Son of Sam. Yeah, it's with, great. With Davey Havoc singing, and it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's fucking awesome, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What would you guys say his legacy is? It's, a, it's an interesting thought. I, I think, uh, I think it's, over, it's overall hmm, – it's kind of a mixed bag because uh, I, I think the horror punk thing is interesting because it's like, yeah, most horror punk is bad, but – the Misfits, that wasn't the Misfits' fault. It's the same thing with, like, No, they're how incredible. I, it's, like, it's like the Cramps or whatever. Yeah. I, maybe a good analog is uh, Pantera. I, uh, frankly, I like Pantera as a band. Um, I also can admit that, like, yes, Phil Anselmo is kind of a shithead, a uh, total shithead. Well, I mean, yeah, there's no kind of. Kind of. Total shithead. And it inspired some of the worst um, bar metal bands to ever that were score still the feeling the effects of to this day unfortunately yes. you go to your local bar go to a, a town in america there's a band where someone is trying to sound like pantera um but also i mean there's tons of dumb shit like that that's not pantera's fault um and just like with horror punk it's not the misfits it's just they happen to make a really good idea that's easy to latch upon um with the other stuff, I don't know. He's, he's uh, like you said, he's affected taste and culture with all the projects he's done, and all those, the classic records are classic for a reason. Um, if 
I do think he's in like a like a a strange spot. Um, as far as like, um, he's kind of like, kind of underground, but like you know, like older heads will like know yeah, be like, yeah. oh, that dude's cool, yeah. And I think I think with any personality that goes on as long as they do, the memification thing kind of ends up happening. I mean, you brought up integrity, and I think that's a good example too, because Dwid is I think a very powerful personality with like the music he's made. Um I think he's kind of maybe overall has done a better job at uh having a better lineup. Like I think the last couple of integrity records are really good. Um he, but that dude is like he became he's probably just as cringe as Danzig. Yeah, he's totally like some of the stuff he did in like the late nineties, like I remember I've heard people say some weird shit about Dwid and uh yeah, goofy guy, but I mean, I think that just kind of comes with the territory. Yeah, I would say I would kind of echo some of what you said, Mike. I think Danzig, particularly with the band Danzig, but Samhain too, Misfits really, the horror punk thing really comes from them specifically, and Misfits, that's very much a product of all of them. I think Danzig as a figure incorporated the occult and the sinister into rock music in a way that no one else really had before or since, or very few people had. Because musically, it's not like Slayer. It's not straight-up metal, really. And in terms of the lyrics and subject matter, he's not doing a thing where he's like, yes, I worship Satan. It's all pretty... Nor is it the Misfits where it's like talking about horror movies. It's all very ambiguous, and it references kind of a variety of things from across the sort of occult spectrum. And yeah. it comes off, it's it's fun, it's not, like, just scary, but it, it also feels kind of real. It's like, this man is actually embodying, like, the real magical practice of, like, drawing upon these forces to sort of reshape yourself and become more than a mere mortal, I suppose. But uh, he did so in a way that, like, rocked and that regular people can like. It's like, it wasn't, he didn't have one gimmick. It wasn't like, oh, it's the devil. Oh, it's werewolves. It's like, no, it's Danzig and he's all of those things. And musically, he pretty much did the same thing, you know. He drew from a, a few different influences that worked together to create something pretty unique. And I, I think that's something we haven't really seen. You know, other people like Dwid would be a great example. And Davey Havoc, like, they've taken bits and pieces of that. And it's gone throughout the culture, and of course the horror imagery and horror punk and everything all sort of goes back to this guy. But no one else can quite, he, only he has that formula for that spell that made him who he is, you know? Yeah, and I would just encourage your listeners, look past all the memes and all the bullshit and all the jokes. Like, yes, it is funny. Like, I'm not somebody, I don't take him too seriously. Listen to the, you know, I'm sure everybody's heard the Misfits to some degree. Definitely, like, check out Sam Hay, but like, listen to those first three or four Danzig records. I would say especially Danzig 3. I think that's a great place to start if you like heavy rock music. Um, that's definitely... the best music of that era to me. It's just for sure. good yeah. rock and metal. And music. critics don't give it enough credit. People don't talk about that in the same breath that they talk about Nirvana or Oasis or, you know, well, other bands I like. You but know what? I feel like, like, no, dude, it's the real deal. I feel like the Misfits even, they get, like, more you know, talked up more than, like, Danzig. By, by critics and oh, yeah. and tastemakers and shit? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I'd say with Danzig, it's kind of, like, with that kind of stuff, it's hard to hear, like, their influence in, like, that, how that got disseminated uh, into music um, post them coming out with, like, 90, in, like, 93, 94, because um, 
you can't rip that off without just like again with like the misfits without just being like all right that's what it is also like with anyone that like with a career like that most people can't make more than like two good lps and like danzig has been on like oh like seven or eight where it's like this is like fantastic this is like incredible so i think that's worth that's worth noting. Like it's it's very hard to make a couple good records. Yeah, Never Tim. Tim, any that. Tim, any other closing thoughts here? He it does seem like he has been trying very hard to tarnish his legacy. <laughs> but uh, yes, you know I think yeah. I feel like th- how good all that earlier shit is though it, it it evens out. It's a testament to how good it is that it, yeah. he's trying to do that. It's not working. Yeah. No, no. It's if, pe- if people can still enjoy the music of Black Sabbath and you know joke about the cartoonishness of like the Osborns. Yeah, for sure. Show then like give the guy a break. <laughs> yeah. So d- d- before we wrap up, do you have anything you want to plug here, Mike? What are you, what are you working on lately? Uh, so I I have a new podcast I've been working on for about a year now. Uh, it won't be out for another couple months. I'm gonna definitely be on a lot of podcasts probably. Uh, when I am releasing it, uh, I'm working on a horror film history podcast uh, of doing kind of like I've gotten really into like long form narrative storytelling and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I'm working on a podcast. This first people I've really talked to about it uh, on record of um, really deep sociological deep dive histories of the most important horror histories, most important horror movies of every year starting in 1960. Um, so we're like talking like a, I've written probably about 30 pages of script on Psycho, uh, of Pit and the Pendulum. I'm doing one on Carnival Souls right now, and I'm going to go – the plan is to go all through the years. So go, you know, you know, kind of talking about things, you know, with like Psycho talking about not just the history of the making of the movie, but like the evolution of violence in film and how you get to yeah. uh, a woman, naked woman being stabbed in the shower becoming one of the most profitable films of all time. Um so Our, that's kind of, that's what I'm working on. Uh, the tentative yeah. title is nothing but a nightmare. Um, that that sounds, and I'm I swear I'm not just saying that sounds like I would love it. Actually, that's it's fucking a lot of awesome. work. Is the thing yeah, it takes I'm me sure. months to do every episode. Yeah. <laughs> are uh, are you when you get to 1990? Are you going to talk about The Exorcist three? I most likely because I fucking love that movie. Uh, oh, I mean I was, we. We just watched a, a YouTube video uh, where the dude who made it was talking about uh, how Jeffrey Dahmer got uh, MK Ultra to that movie. Yeah, I'm sure you're yeah, familiar yeah, with that. Yeah, that was yeah. one of his favorite movies. Um, <laughs> and the yeah, movie so movie that, was made by a former CIA guy, but yeah, we'll get into this later. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm working on. That probably I'm hoping it, it, I was trying to have it out this month originally for Halloween, but uh, I'm I'm looking at early 2023. Because um, I want to like record a bunch of episodes and then release them. Uh, well, I've kind of the, that'll be like my. It's like a big project. I yeah, think. yeah. Well, we will. Sounds sick, man. Yeah, it sounds fucking awesome. Thanks. We we yeah. will link to your social media so people can follow you and, and know when that drops. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to have you back on sometime after you wrap up some work on that and do the horror punk episode because I think it'd be funny. But uh, yeah, thanks yeah, again. Yeah, I do think that would be that would be entertaining. And uh, yeah, my band Private Hell will probably have a we'll have a record out next year. So. Great, great. Yeah, we'll we'll link yeah. to them too. And and it, so thanks again, and everybody, you can find us if this is your first time tuning in. Uh, Cop Pod official on Instagram, kingsofpunk.com, Kings of Punk Pod on Twitter. So go give us a follow if you haven't yet, and let us know what you think of the show because we appreciate hearing that stuff. Yeah, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, 
thanks, Mike, for coming uh, on again. We really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, I'm a fan of the show, and I love to Thank you. Thank you. So, we'll do it again. Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Bombs away. Bombs away. Bombs away.